Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntra is here for the weekend, part two of the Bendis tapes. Man, uh, what an ordeal. I've had technical difficulties that have uh, driven me crazy uh, this last week, but everything seems okay, and I know we're in the midst of a huge news cycle with Trump. Uh, I noticed it hasn't stopped any other podcasts from releasing their stuff, and so many good podcasts, entertainment-wise, are out there. Uh, do you know about Ileana Douglas's show, I Blame Dennis Hopper? It's her excuse to do uh, movie interviews with filmmakers and stars. And this week she has Joe Dante, and it's a great conversation. And Joe goes through his entire history, working with Roger Corman and Gremlins and Critters and uh, all the great movies that he's made over the years. His views on today's film uh, work. Uh, Mark Maron had uh, John, uh, John Michael Higgins from all the Christopher Guest movies, and it's the guy who played uh, David Letterman way, way back in that HBO movie, The Late Show, which was based on the book about uh, who gets The Tonight Show, Jay Leno or Dave Letterman. And, uh, got, and you know, he's got a new uh, NBC show called Good News, which I haven't seen yet, but uh, it's got Andrea Martin on it, and it's produced by Tina Fey and the writers of 30 Rock, so I'm excited about that. And, uh, I mean, I've just been enjoying myself listening to podcasts to get away from uh, the current news cycle that, my God, every day it's something else. Brian and I talk about that uh, at the beginning because, uh, as I've said before, um, this hunk of uh, part two of the Bendis tapes was recorded about a month ago. And uh, Brian just wanted to, you know, he likes to listen to it sometimes and, you know, just trying to check it over, make sure he didn't reveal something about Marvel books that, you know, before its time or even his own books. And uh, kind of slipped through the cracks and all of a sudden all this new Bendis product was coming out, a couple more issues of Jessica Jones. Um, I knew Free Comic Book Day was going to be coming with the Defenders. Plus, uh, last week we played the Marvel press conference of the Defenders uh, for the ongoing series with Tom Brevoort and Dave Marquez and Brian on the press call. And I didn't want to just release, uh, you know, something that was just purely old news. So like last week, uh, Brian and I talk for about uh, almost, uh, I think, around 40 minutes and give you new stuff uh, that is relevant. We we just taped it on Tuesday. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to give you fresh information along with our interesting conversation. And we do have an, you know, hey, man, we've been doing this for 11 years. We kind of know what we're doing. Um, certainly, Brian knows what he's doing at this point. Uh, but anyway, a fun conversation. Also, uh, up front, I wanted to uh, bring you a short conversation with my buddy, a Chicago film critic, David Fowley, because... The Chicago Critics Film Festival starts today and runs for a week, and there are some great little movies that have been making the festival rounds and are uh, playing here in Chicago at the Music Box Theater, really one of our uh, art house show places in the city, uh, right by Wrigley Field. It is a great theater, and uh, we talk about a handful of movies, and this kind of... Uh, also uh, helps us in terms of, like, Brian and I have been busy. We've only seen a few things here and there. And it's a great chance for us to talk about uh, new stuff, me and Dave, about some new movies that if you have a chance to see while they're on the festival circuit, certainly while you're in Chicago, you might want to see these things. Uh, but also keep your eyes out when they come out uh, either streaming or on DVD or on demand. And uh, I think uh, you'll, you'll be very interested in the handful of movies we're talking about up front. So Dave Fowley, and then part two of the Bendis tapes on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the Comics Canon, 
We've talked about it before. This is Kevin Moreau's Fine Program, the podcast that reads, reviews, and renders judgment on the greatest comic book stories of yesterday and today. Every two weeks, experienced journalists and critics Kevin Moreau and Kurt Holman hold in-depth yet accessible discussions on such well-known comics as Batman The Dark Knight Returns, Civil War, Preacher, The Walking Dead, Fun Home, and more works that have become mass media icons. They also discuss popular comics like Saga and landmark events like X-Men, The Dark Phoenix Saga, and The Death of Gwen Stacy. Each episode answers the questions, how do these stories hold up? What's their larger impact on comics or pop culture? And do they belong in that Hall of Fame of comic stories known as the Comics Canon? The guy's current episode is about uh, Thor, Volume 1, The Goddess of Thunder, collecting uh, Thor 1 through 8. Uh, That numbering, of course, reflects the uh, 2014 run by uh, Jason Aaron and Russell uh, Dowderman. So uh, that should be a really interesting conversation. And then coming up later this month, on May 24th, just in time for the June release of the new Wonder Woman film, a look at the comic book origins of everyone's favorite Amazon, Diana. So uh, check out the Comics Canon. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and of course at their website, comicscanon.com. Okay, without further ado, let us begin our uh, conversations uh, first with uh, David Fowley about the uh, Chicago Film Critics Festival, which uh, starts this weekend at the Music Box Theater. So here's uh, my uh, short conversation with Dave Fowley on Word Balloon. Happy to welcome uh, Dave Fowley to Word Balloon, Chicago film critic and uh, longtime convention pal and uh, comic store signing pals. Good to talk to you, Dave. Hey, how you doing, John? Doing all right, man. You know, we're going to do an eventual long-form Word Balloon uh, in the months ahead, but... Uh, you've got a cool film festival going on this weekend in Chicago. Tell me about it. Yeah, this is actually uh, the fifth year for the annual Chicago Critics Film Festival. I'm uh, a member of the Chicago Film Critics Association, and uh, you know, for the past five years, what, what's been going on is we have a certain uh, group of critics within the association who go to festivals like Toronto, Sundance, South by Southwest, and uh, other festivals, and basically their idea was to take the best of what they saw and bring it back home and do like a, a festival showing all these films. So basically, you don't have to, you know, go to Sundance or Toronto. You can just wait for this festival. That's really cool, and you've been doing it for five years. So these are the best of the best, and obviously, are these the uh, you know the specific Chicago critics' choice of what's the best of the best of, or are these the winners of these other festivals? They're not the winners. They're basically just, like, if you are, say, like, you know, a film critic or, you know, imagine you going to a festival and you you saw a movie that you thought was so great, you're like, man, I wish other people could see this back home. Sure. That's basically the idea behind it. Okay, yeah, like Uh, a critic's choice. It literally is like a critic's choice. Yeah, it's like Critics' Choice. This is a Chicago Critics Film Festival. It's basically the first uh, film festival curated by critics. That's great. I didn't realize that. I, well, technically, um, well, actually, no. I was going to throw down and go, ah, wait a minute. I know uh, Ebert uh, would do his uh, thing, but actually that was down in Urbana, isn't it, where Ebert used to do his uh, kind of Critics' Choice uh, festival? Right, and he still did that. It was, I think, it was at first called the Overlooked Film Festival, um, and he was championing films that not a lot of people had seen before that he loved. And now it's basically just called Ebert Fest, which is great. 
uh, in and of itself. But I think we're looking at um, what we're looking at here is, like I said, the 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 from the fall to basically uh, February or March or so, all the festivals that happen around there, these certain critics that wind up programming this festival pick the best. They they talk to the studio, uh, talk to the directors and the studios who've uh, basically are going to be distributing these movies uh, and say, hey, we want your films in our festival. That's awesome. What uh, what what what's going to be, you know, give us some of the uh, titles and directors we can look forward to this weekend. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty great. The opening night film is uh, probably going to be sold out by the time this is aired, but it's called The Little Hours. And it's a it's a body raunchy uh, period piece uh, set in a uh, uh, a monastery, <laughs> <laughs> and it stars uh, John C. Riley, Dave Franco, uh, Aubrey Plaza, Kate Masucci, um, directed by Jeff Baina. Uh, those last three talents are going to be there for a Q and A afterwards. Wow! So Aubrey Plaza, Kate Masucci, and Jeff Baina are all going to be there for a Q and A afterwards. And Kate Masucci, she's uh, from uh, Garfunkel and Oates. You and, got it. And Aubrey Plaza, of course, uh, from FX uh, Legion and uh, Parts and Rec, and uh, Mike and uh, whatever need dates, need wedding dates, and right. yeah, <laughs> very right. funny woman. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be. I'm sure it's going to be an entertaining Q and A. So that's um, that's opening night. There's also you know two films after that. There's one at nine thirty and one at midnight. So the the goal is to just you know, pack the Music Box Theater here in Chicago on the north side from May 12th through the 18th and basically, you know, have a variety of films, you know, from documentaries to shorts to features to uh, animation um, and and show pack the theater daily. And each day we'll basically have a filmmaker or actor present for Q&A for a particular film. Cool. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, one, I'm glad it's that long, too. Go on. Yeah, so one film that I saw, you know, I get access to some of these films so I could review them and preview them in advance to promote them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you'll, pro- you'll probably like this a lot. Is uh, there's, a, there's a film at 11 a.m. on uh, Saturday, uh, May 13th. It's called Score, a film music documentary. So it's basically a, a documentary all about um, music uh, composers and, and you know anything from uh alfred newman to danny elfman you know to tyler bates you know all these all these cats who are just amazing at you know scoring the soundtracks that you know we love so much and sure. it also it opens i mean it, it's pretty amazing it opens with marco beltrani uh hoist having a out in the desert and he's, he's playing a piano that's hoisted on top of a dumpster for the soundtrack to The Homesman. You know that Tommy Lee Jones movie? Yes. <laughs> and and he basically did that to get the wind blowing, you know, between the keys and the piano. And, and you know, it's a stand-up piano. So he played that, like, outdoors. So the, the documentary is basically, it's going kind of like an overview about, you know, soundtracks in general over, you know, as, as kind of like a, overview of film history but it also goes into the details as to you know how these composers go about approaching their work that's great man no that sounds really really cool and again i'm really glad that the festival is lasting as long as it is because 
Uh, I know I'm working. I'm working Friday and Saturday nights. I'm like, oh man, uh, you know, I'm sure it's it's just like the Chicago Film Festival where sometimes you'll see the list and it's like, oh, I can't go. Oh man, I really like to see that. Score sounds very cool. Um, did you? Are any of the films that you uh, saw at festivals uh, among the ones that we're going to see this weekend or this week? No, I. Yeah, I. I'm actually not really uh, i haven't been able to actually go out to those festivals like toronto and sundance or anything like that but uh, and that's why i look forward so much to uh you know this festival is it, it brings it all home for me sure for me um and uh there's a kind of sometimes it, it happens but it it just so happens that there's somewhat of a, a theme here with some movies here there's um kind of um you saw it recently last year with uh, Jerry Lewis's Max Rose, where it's kind of like these washed-up talents, uh, or, or these older actors playing washed-up talents, or or uh, uh, individuals who are looking back on their career and kind of contemplating where they are in life in sure. their nineties. Yeah, familiar. Um, so yes. we have, yeah, so we have Harry Dean Stanton. Um, basically, he's he's playing uh, the lead role in a movie called Lucky. And it's the uh, directorial debut of actor John Carroll Lynch, great character actor that you've seen in uh, Zodiac and Gran Torino, and recently Jackie and The Founder. He wow. played uh, LBJ. He played LBJ in Jackie. Oh wow! Yeah. So this is his directorial debut, and it's 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 a really nice character piece for uh, Harry Dean Stanton. You know, he is you know basically ninety. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, Kind of, kind of a Marvel guy. He was in Avengers, right? <laughs> I always forget that he was in Avengers. That's true. But you're right. Amazing character actor career. Uh, Repo Man. Yeah, he's been the original Repo Man yeah. with the uh, 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 Charlie Sheen and uh, Mila Estevez. And yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas, and yes. Alien. Yeah, and Alien. And this movie is yes. kind of like an Alien re- reunion because Tom Skerritt is in it. Wow. Uh, and uh, He's getting yeah, up Tom there. It. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. And, uh, it, you know, it's just a nice piece. You, there's also David Lynch is in the movie as kind of his, uh, you know, his friend, his barfly who's lost his tortoise. Hilarious. <laughs> it, it's just a cool, nice character piece, you know. And after that, um, so the, the director, John Carroll Lynch, is going to be there for a Q&A. That's, that's Saturday evening. I know you're working. <sighs> but, um then, then uh, there's the 15th anniversary of. Uh, you ever hear of a movie called Southland Tales by Richard Kelly? Of course. Yeah, he's so, a massive comic book uh, guy, and, and there were graphic novels tied to Southland Tales when it came out. There you go. Exactly. So Richard Kelly's actually going to be there. Wow. Uh, for for a Q and A after our 35 millimeter uh, presentation of Southland Tales at at 8:30 on Saturday and I'm, you know, it's going to be great. You know, we're going to, you get, you know, that's the cool thing about this festival is it's small enough where, and it's in the music box, there's a lounge next door. Afterwards you can, you can meet the director and hang out and, you know, talk to him. So it's a, it's a cool atmosphere. Yeah, no, you're right. Music box is an amazing old theater, especially when you go in. Um, It it has uh, these incredible murals on the uh, ceiling that you know, kind of, uh, you know it. Uh, they it projects like kind of a nightscape, uh, exactly. And and it has a beautiful organ as well. And I don't know if anyone is between the movies is going to be playing the organ. They do that a lot on the weekends. But the Music Box is one of our art house uh, theaters that are thankfully still around in Chicago. 
and they always do these incredible uh, 70 millimeter presentations uh, and great quirky documentaries and, and little films and also great revival stuff as well. So it doesn't surprise me that it's hosting this festival. So uh, what? Uh, where do people need to go for the um, to get information on the festival? All they need to do is go to chicagocriticsfilmfestival.com or just go to Music Box Theater, and that's theater with an R-E at the end, dot com. Very cool. Excellent, man. I uh, Yeah, man, I know. Uh, also, and I want people to know where to find your critiques because uh, you, not only uh, do you do great uh, film critiques, but you also get a chance to do some really cool interviews with filmmakers as well. So where, where can we find your stuff? Uh, you can find my work at keepingitreal.com. That's keeping-it-real.com. Excellent. Are you doing a podcast at all, David? You know, I actually uh, co-host, um, I'm kind of like a very frequent guest on uh, this podcast uh, for a fellow critic of mine, Ian Simmons. His uh, podcast is Kicking the Seat. <laughs> uh, so you can go to, basically you go to kickseat.com. And you'll find his reviews and the podcast right there. He's a great. He he interviews a lot of uh, directors and filmmakers as well. So, you know, I, I after we screen uh, movies and go to screenings, we usually just go over to the Golden Nugget and chat chat up the movie, <laughs> and re, re, we record right there. So that's a good idea. I got Golden Nugget. There you go. Nice. That's a great chain of coffee shops all over Chicago. That I'm certainly fine. I'm a walking distance from one of the Golden Nuggets. So. Uh, uh, the, one on, the one on Western, so I, I understand, and I don't blame you. That's great. Hey, you know what? There's one. There's a couple more things I wanted to touch on that Please. you might be interested in. Monday, Monday night, uh, I don't know if you heard about this movie that was at Tribeca. It's basically, uh, you know, what could be Burt Reynolds, you know, one of his final films. Yes, talk about know, that, please. You know, God bless him. It's called Dog Ears, and it's directed by Adam Rifkin, who will be there for a Q&A afterwards, and He's uh, also, again, playing, um, you know, kind of like a, a octogenarian guy who's looking back on his uh, life and his um, he has to mourn the passing of his beloved dog and the arrival of an invitation to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award <laughs> at the International Nashville Film Festival. So he's playing an actor. He's looking back in his life. So it's, it's very interesting. You got Chevy Chase in it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see these actors, you know, to me, and I'm sure to you, to see these actors kind of almost playing themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, but also get a chance to kind of flex their muscles. It is so hard for these guys, you know, at a certain age to still get good roles. I mean, I even remember Morgan Freeman, and this was easily 15 years ago on a Charlie Rose interview. And it's like, so what do you look for? Uh, you know, as far as roles. And Freeman, again, 15 years ago even, was like, well, you know, I'm in competition with Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman, and, you know, we're all kind of going for, you know, what's good out there. And, you know, you don't want to just do crap. So it's really nice. I mean, and Burt Reynolds and Harry Dean Stanton are classic examples of guys that have just kept working. I know Reynolds has done his share of TV, things like Archer and Burn Notice in the last couple of years. Right. And, you know, just to kind of keep himself out there and certainly to – to, you know, try and eat. I'm sure he itches. And, and I also, I know, I see in the red box uh, and, and on demand on cable so many movies that he's made in the last 15 years or so. So it is nice. And even, like you said, when we said earlier, we acknowledged uh, Max Rose, the Jerry Lewis film from last year. 
look, I, I, I do. I find these fascinating because it gives these guys who have had that kind of pedigree and career kind of a last a last call where it's like, yeah, listen, uh, before I do go it quietly into that uh, final sunset, uh, I, I still got it. And and I think in the right projects, these guys are able to show that. I hope that that's the case with this Burt Reynolds film. Yeah, I hope so, too. I've, I've heard some good things about it. Cool. Um, I'm actually... Also excited for what's happening the night before on Sunday. What's that? This oh, they see a free Sunday, so talk to me. What, what's happening Sunday? Oh, good. Okay, you're going to like this. So Sunday night at 7 p.m., there's a movie called The Hero. Now, it's all, it's basically a role written for Sam Elliott. So he plays uh, an aging Western acting icon. Love him. With his, you know, set. Sam Elliott, Golden Voice. Oh my God! Like the, the Marlboro Man come to life, and of course the totally. cowboy, the cowboy in the Big Lebowski. If people don't know him by name, totally, totally. And it, it, it basically it says here that his best performances are decades behind him. He spends his days reliving old glories and smoking too much weed. <laughs> with, with his former co-star turned dealer Jeremy, played by Nick Offerman. Awesome. Until a surprise cancer diagnosis brings his priorities into sharp focus. Oh my! Faced with his more, faced with his mortality, uh, he soon strikes up an exciting, contentious relationship with a stand-up comic played by Laurie Prepon. <laughs> as he, uh, that's Karen Page in the original Ben Affleck uh, Daredevil. Wh- who is? As he attempts, Laurie Prepon was Karen Laura, Page in the in the Daredevil in wait. the first Daredevil movie. I, I could be wrong. Was, am I wrong? I don't. No, I don't I'm remember thinking, her being uh, Karen Page, but of course, I, I'm th- Laurie Prepon from no, that right. '70s I'm show in Orange Is the New Black. You're right. I'm confused. I'm thinking of Ellen Pompeo. Oh, <laughs> there we go. So you know, no problem. You know, these us critics, we don't know everything. No, uh, but, but also, um, dude, there's so many names, and they are so. It's Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman. I understand. It's okay. There you go, there you go. And uh, actually, Kristen Ritter, Jessica Jones, is in this movie playing his estranged daughter. Oh, wow. So, And the director is Brett Haley, who also last worked with Sam Elliott in a great Blythe Danner uh, dramedy called I'll See You in My Dreams. Yes. And uh, the hero, though, is, is it looks like just totally for Sam Elliott. And, you know, I have seen Lucky with Harry Dean Stanton. I'm looking forward to Sam, Sam Elliott's. Uh, th- this movie, but you know, some of these roles, they just, yes, they seem very just, you know, Oscar worthy, Oscar bait. Some people sure, say, but sure. you know, for these actors, why not? Of course. No, that's great. And I'm glad that writers are kind of, you know, thinking along those lines again, because I do think there is ageism just as much as there is sexism. And does it have to be a white guy kind of complaints that the audience have and and also just you know the way that film is shifting to especially blockbuster movies and stuff i mean they really are shifting to a young audience and it's nice that not only the art houses but also between on demand and stuff that uh, films are finding more platforms like little films like this and uh no they i think they're they're fascinating and i think uh no I, and I, i'm glad the, there's a festival like this that not only do you get to see the movie but also get a Q&A with the filmmaker and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I might ask you to pencil me in if you can and get, sneak me under the curtain for uh, for Sunday night for uh, for Hero. Yeah, no problem. You could be my guest. <laughs> oh, um, thanks. Now, uh, closing the festival on Thursday night is uh, a movie that got rave reviews at Sundance this year called A Ghost Story, and it's directed by David Lowry. 
and it stars uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, and that those three people are basically reuniting from uh, David Lowry's film Ain't Them Bodies Saints. Okay. And David Lowry last directed uh, the remake of uh, Pete's Dragon last August. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so this is an unconventional take on, uh, you know, a ghost story is, is what the movie's called. Right. So um, it's closing out the festival. I'm really excited to see that as well. Interesting. Very, very cool. All right, one, one more time. Uh, it's uh, the Music Box Theater, but uh, theater is spelled uh, R-E dot com. Uh, is it just Music right. Box Theater or The Music Box Theater? Just musicboxtheater.com or go to chicagocriticsfilmfestival.com for the Chicago Critics Film Festival in our fifth annual year. And running May 12th through May 18th. You got it, buddy. Awesome, man. No, Dave, seriously, I'm, I'm glad that we had the chance to talk at C2E2 and you said, hey, this is coming up. And it sounds great. And I'm glad you're involved with it. And, uh, yeah, man, come back and we'll, we'll, do, uh, we'll do a summer movie review. And uh, also would be interested in hearing about uh, some of the uh, filmmakers that you've had the opportunity to, you know, sit down with one-on-one and talk. So I thought this was a good addition to a Bendis Tapes because the kind of, these are the kind of little movies that Brian and I discover on our own and end up talking about. And uh, this is a good laundry list to include in our, uh, in our recent Bendis Tapes. Excellent. Well, I appreciate the promotion of both my site and the festival. And, yeah, I like what you're, what you're talking about here. I got some good ideas for the future. Cool, man. Excellent. Thanks again, man. No problem. Okay, that's Dave Foley, and I hope you enjoyed uh, that conversation. I know I'll be going on uh, Sunday night to uh, check out Hero, that Sam Elliott movie. But, man, the Burt Reynolds movie sounds cool. The Harry Dean Stanton movie sounds cool. The Chicago uh, Film Critics uh, Festival is uh, happening this weekend again at the Music Box Theater, and uh, you heard all the places to go to uh, get more information. I can't go through it again because it's not handy, and I want to get this episode out for you because I've been wanting to for a while now. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. And uh, really appreciate it, uh, everything you do for me uh, via Patreon. Thank you for your uh, subscriptions. Uh, they're, they're helping me out in this uh, time where I'm between regular jobs. I've got a part-time job right now at the CBS News Station. I'm uh, working a couple days a week doing uh, overnight traffic. And, in fact, uh, if you're in the Chicago area or if you want to even choose to listen via streaming, you will hear me Friday night into Saturday morning and Saturday night into Sunday morning. And I'll be on from um, midnight uh, central – well, first of all, 11 p.m. central time uh, Friday night into uh, as long as uh, 6 a.m. So between 11 p.m., there's a break where they play old-time radio for an hour at midnight, and I'm not on. And then uh, I come back at uh, 1 a.m. and go uh, all you know six ep- uh, six reports an hour uh, until uh, six in the morning. And then uh, Saturday night I'm on uh, starting at uh, midnight. But we have the CBS Roundup, and sometimes I'm only on that maybe twice an hour, maybe four times. It depends on the length of the show. And I have a feeling with uh, this Trump Comey stuff, I'll be lucky if I'm on twice that hour. And then I'm on solid from uh, 1 a.m. until uh, 6 a.m. Again, central time. So if you, uh, six times an hour uh, on the eights, eight minutes after, uh, you know, eight, uh, 18, 28, 38, 48, and 58. And you'll hear me and uh, it, it'll show you what I'm uh, doing part time for them. And it, it's a nice part time job and it's helping pay the bills, but you're helping as well. So thank you again, League of Word Balloon listeners. If you like Word Balloon, if you think what I do is worthwhile, and I honestly can proudly say as I enter uh, this 12th year of doing Word Balloon, um, 
you know, I've I've really been happy the last couple of months with uh, a lot of the episodes. I really think that I've uh, got exceptional conversations with really cool people, and I think uh, you know it helps uh, inform uh, your pop culture interests. Do you think it's as good as uh, a, you know picking up a, a monthly magazine? Is it worth the price of a comic book a month? Uh, if you think so, and if you can afford it, I really appreciate the help. Thank you very much. Go to wordballoon.com, uh, click on the front page. Uh, there's a Patreon right there, a Patreon ad right there, or you can go to Patreon.com/slash/wordballoon. And really, if you can if you can spare it, I really do appreciate it. A couple more new listeners uh, this week. I thank you very much for your subscriptions, and truly, thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. All right, without further ado, let us get into our Bendis tapes, part two. Brian Bendis, uh, this is great, uh, really fun conversation. We start with brand new content from Tuesday. And then we trail off into our original conversation that we wanted to release back in April. But it's okay, because it's still really interesting and relevant stuff. Great stuff about Defenders and Miles Morales and uh, Jessica Jones. And uh, just, you know, also, hey, this uh, Generations and Legacy stuff, it was on our mind in March as well. And Brian gets very candid about, um, you know, that that balance between uh, the established heroes and uh, the new the new uh, legacy characters that have been coming out, and uh, you know, is it is it just how Marvel's been handling it, and and the struggle to please um, different audiences with the Marvel product? It ain't easy. We've been talking about this with Dan Slott and Rob Salkowitz and Alex Ross, just to name a few uh, wonderful conversations recently. Brian gives his two cents right now as well. So, without further ado, here is part two of the Bendis tapes. And it, then initially, as Brian points out, I sound very frustrated and a little cross. I'm certainly not mad at him. I love him. He's he's my friend. So, uh, but I'm happy to bring you our conversation, our newest conversation now on Word Balloon. Are we still on? Okay. Can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. All right. Welcome back. It's uh, part two of our conversation. Uh, when we last left off, uh, it was the press conference uh, for Defenders. I think it's only fair, John. For people to know, the reason you sound so disgusted with the world is not because you're speaking to me, is oh, no. because we have been wrestling with technical issues yes. for about a week, and uh, and it just happened again, and that's why you sound deflated. Not because you're not excited. I literally, we just had another burst of it <laughs> after like a week of trying to fix it, and I really thought uh, he was scamming me, and I'm just like, come on. Oh, that's funny. No, no, I didn't even think to do that. Oh, yeah. See, I've, I've matured as I've gotten older. <laughs> you, no, it's yeah, exactly. John, I've got one more thing to say, and then click. Who can uh, forget those five Bendis tapes years? So I'm I'm out with my daughter, Tabitha. She's six years old. Okay. Um, having a little daddy-daughter night tonight, and I uh, said, oh, yeah, we gotta, um, uh, we got to go get something for Mommy for Mother's Day. And she goes, oh, me and Sabrina, we already we already have that taken care of. I go, oh, yeah, well, what's that? She goes, when mommy's asleep, we're going to dye her hair. <laughs> and, I, and then she just falls over laughing at just the idea of it, right? And I go, oh, sweetie, no, you're not. That's actually, that's, a, that's called a prank. That's, um, that's actually something when, you, when you're trying to, like, zing somebody, not when you're trying to celebrate. And she said, well, mommy said her favorite thing is the sound of our laughter. Yeah, how do you argue with that? I there was like, Jesus. exactly. Anyway. Come on, mom, we're doing it for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah, look great so, in it, pink. Uh, no, it was funny. My wife, uh, my wife actually has a a color she can't stand, which is teal. Don't ask me why. 
she hates teal. All the kids think they look great in teal. And, of course, this is a point of contention. And they all decided to dye her hair teal if they go do that. So we'll see. Pretty nice. funny. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're not luck. a we're not a pranky house. It was quite a surprise to hear that. Man, I, good luck, Alyssa. Oh, my God, exactly. <laughs> hide. Yeah, oh, poor thing. Jesus, you tell me off the air. Are you, are you yes. a big fans of Handman's Maiden's Tale? I haven't seen it yet. No, oh. we're, I was just I was re, uh, relating to you how uh, impressed I was with the um, ability they had to market the show in the middle of this. Trump media hurricane that never stops. Yes. And how, um, you know, he sucks so much like airtime and, and word time and press time out of everything that the movies and, and, and television shows and comics are just hard. It's hard to like let people know things are coming out. I you know, agree. just, you know, it's just because it's constant bedlam. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, I wish people were paying attention to me, but that's not, it's just, you know, like like we, I, I'm getting a lot more questions on Tumblr about like basic things that like we're trying to let you know, but there's no way to know because there's so there's nowhere to tell people because it's so crazy. So I was impressed with Handman's Tale ability to um, like wait for a quiet moment in the hurricane and just just like throw all their media right down the right down the alley, just right. like you know, and 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 was able to hit the target. Because that really is kind of what you have to do now. Well, and it, yeah, yeah, look at CNN. I mean, the history of comedy, I don't think ever finished. I think you're right that we were talking about that. And also this soundtrack of our lives. I mean, especially I'm working that part-time job at the news station overnight, and they've got CNN on. And, yeah, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that thing's playing. I've got it to set for my DVR. And there's, like, been one episode because, of course, there's always something newsy going on Thursday night when they're supposed to be showing this. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and it's even funny that, like, this is the, the weird the weird things I deal with. Like, um, sometimes I, like, put things in my Tumblr queue that I'll, like, tweet later, like, when I in the morning when I'm asleep, you know? Oh, so you, tweet, uh, now you set up to tweet while you're while like you're I, I set up a tweet schedule just to like, sure. hey, Jessica Jones trades coming or whatever, you know. Sure. And uh, and now I don't because I don't want to tweet and something horrible happened while you like like you really right. have to think that way. No, like, I'm I really worried sure. that something bad's going to happen, and, and I don't want to be like, oh, I tweeted sh- like something innocuous during something tragic. Oh. Totally. And that's how I, I truly were worried about it. Well, yeah, no, you know, uh, airlines have it in their uh, media contracts that if there's a plane crash, you immediately pull the airline commercials because, right. God forbid, all right, and we'll go back to that fatal crash in two minutes. Fly Delta. You know? Oh, yeah. No, because that happened. Of course. You know that happened. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So interesting anyway. times. No, and I mean, it's, I understand that. You're, you're, yeah, aware so of, you're aware of marketing with your stuff and everything. So, yeah, it makes sense that you would – find that admirable that they were able to do that amidst all you know because i just i've i've seen some of uh my friends and other uh, people uh try and not be able to this year sure. just like you know these windows are really hard or you have to be like a machine like disney like the, like that level of machine to push out like your word you know totally so it's um it's it's an interesting and again with all the shit that's going on for people who don't know we're talking on the day Trump fired Comey, so it's an extra special, crazy day. Indeed. So and and everything seems very fractured and distracting. Uh, so that's kind of what we were talking about when we we started talking about this. This is true, and like a candle in the wind, word balloon 
uh, makes a quiet <laughs> drop in the in the sea of news and says, All right, it's our uh, twenty. It's our twelfth anniversary. If anybody was keeping count." So. Yeah, I did because I didn't see that you had already posted the first half, and then I yeah. said, "Oh, don't bother. No one's no one's listening to webcast <laughs> podcast. This ain't a podcast day." And then yeah, we'll uh, we'll let people know. We'll make it new again. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Hey, don't ki- don't worry. People find this one. They always, you know. <laughs> I worry. <laughs> um, no, I I uh, forgive me because I bought, or I should say, I got the free comic book day uh, Guardian Defender twofer. Um, and I, I went with a buddy because of course, you know, you want to double up. So, uh, Chicago comics gave us five free comic book day, uh, books each. Yeah. Pretty standard. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. do that. And that was great. So I'm like, well, you know, he likes to only read a couple books. So I'm like, I'll get more. So, so I think he grabbed my, uh, my guardian defender, uh, book, but uh, tell me, you know, it was great. I went to Chicago comics and it was fun and everybody was really happy to be there and great lines and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a wonderful free comic day. And uh, 90 percent of the time, free comic book day actually lands on my wedding anniversary. Yes. Uh, So I haven't even on the years where I've done like really big free comic book day issues. I've not participated because I've been busy. Um, uh, And 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 uh, so this one, it was two days later. So I was two days late, late from busy so I could come. So me and David Marquez and David Walker. Uh, did things from another world and great. Uh, we actually did it at the end of the day, so we did it like five o'clock in the afternoon, which was a dicey proposition. I thought yeah. maybe people had enough of you know what I mean. That's, yes, but I had already committed. Me and Fraction had committed to do uh, to speak to journalists at a journalism conference that afternoon. Oh, nice. So it was either I do it late in the afternoon, or I don't. We did it late afternoon. Oh my God, they all they were all there, and it was so lovely. I it was it was so nice to see everybody and. Uh, um, and, and literally just one lovely interaction after the other. My, my, my surrealness was one of the people in my line, uh, was the drummer from fallout boy. And then he tweets something very nice about meeting me completely blew up my Twitter feed. Like I'd like, like a, a madness. Like I wasn't on Twitter most of the night and I hopped down. I go, what? I can't, what? I couldn't follow what had happened. And it was, uh, I was in fallout by fallout, fallout boy world. Cool. Yeah, Funny. yeah. They're from very nice. uh, Will Matt. They're from my hometown. Oh, look at that! I swear to God. All right. I always I always look at you like the lost fallout boy. Yeah, there's no question. Absolutely. I, I talked to our friends about it. And that's how we refer to you. Yeah, the father of fallout boy. Let's not kid ourselves. Exactly. exactly. Or the creepy uncle. Funny too. Exactly. Hey, how you doing, boys? Wonderful. <laughs> Keep playing your music. Um, All right. So yeah. So I I thought it seemed to me. That uh, Free Comic Day was a huge success yet yeah. again. Maybe um, even felt like more of a success because it hasn't been the best year um, for the market. <coughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I nice. know. And, and I do think a lot of creators uh, wisely said, hey, you know, this is obviously meant for local retailers. Go out, support your store. And I saw, you know, again, I went to one of the big stores in Chicago, but I know Art and Franco's store in Skokie did really well, and art and a few artists were there uh, drawing for kids and stuff and giving out free sketches and stuff. Now, it's uh, it's always a big happening, I know, at my at my Chicago stores. Challengers, another store you were at while you were in town. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. Powers. That's a good store. Yep, yep. Yeah, they won a Spirit of Light uh, Eisner and everything. So, and did you see another, uh, well, actually... Let me ask, while we're talking about Free Comic Book Day, and specifically yeah. the Defenders issue, I have not had a chance to read it. I know there was a reveal 
Yes. And can can we talk about said reveal? Yes, after I cough. You ready? Yeah. Um, cough. My wife just had some sushi, and there was wasabi where there shouldn't have been. Ah. And uh, I've been, yeah, it's been about an hour of me. On, I, I go into old Jew mode real fast. I go, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> See? So, yeah. I, I can get there no business. So. I hear you, man. So I apologize if I'm <laughs> extra, extra snortily on the Skype. But anyway, um, yeah, so a Free Comic Day, we um, have the reveal of our big, our, our big returned villain, uh, one of those villains no one ever thought would return. We're very excited about it. Uh, Diamondback. Oh, nice. Uh, returning. Um, uh, my Tumblr feed is filled with varying questions of how could you and how could he and how could they. And um, so, but we saw him die, my favorite. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask. All right. So, what was his status quo prior to you bringing him back? Oh, no, he, yeah, we saw him die. Like, he died on his own exploding knife on top of, like, <laughs> you, like, like, like on panel. Was it so, one of your books or was it, was it someone else's? Oh, no, no. This is like in the 60s. This is like, like when they, the oh, first stories, like the end, late 60s, early 70s. Oh, nice. So, so, like, the, the part of the Luke Cage origin is that Diamondback is Luke Cage's best pal. They used to run in the streets together. Oh. They, used to run, they used to do mob errands together. And um, uh, there was a girl. And, uh, and and between the two of them, the girl uh, chose Luke. So uh, William Diamondback mm-hmm. uh, uh, set up Luke and Luke went to prison. Where, oh, wow. Luke, where Luke became Luke Cage. Eventually, um, coming out and seeking revenge for what happened to him. And then in that adventure, Diamondback, uh, who was an, uh, big on knives, um, <clears throat> uh, had an exploding knife and it exploded on him. So, uh, so it is the most personal story of Luke's, um, career. Uh, and it certainly makes the stakes of the defenders as personal as humanly possible. And considering that um, what Luke uh, blames him for, rightly so, which ended up in that girl uh, dying. That girl was murdered by the mob because of Diamondback's actions. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's it's the big tragedy of Luke's life that he clearly uh, and can uh, gleefully blame on Diamondback. And now Diamondback is impossibly back and seems to have an inordinate amount of information on ways to attack all four of the Defenders which he did in retaliation for three of them attacking what would be his brand new center of, of his, his bid to be Kingpin. Interesting. So, so we got Diamondback and Cat, Black Cat um, uh, set up for a, a really cool gang war through the streets of Marvel and uh, a real um, motivation for the um, defenders um, to team up together and make a real go of it as defenders and not just as solo street acts with, you know, uh, with uh, issues with other people. So they're, they're going to try to make a statement as the defenders, which we'll get into in the very first issue coming out in just a couple of weeks. And uh, also uh, some more hints of uh, what's to come in our conversation about the defenders that we recorded last month. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the memento of podcasts. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We're timey wimey. If you're a Doctor Who fan, we're going to start in the present and then jump back to the past for for part two. Um, 
Also, uh, uh, you can hear me back three weeks ago when I was young and impressionable. That's true. I, uh, I, I I don't remember if we actually finished our Jessica Jones conversation about the most recent issue because we talked about her and Danny having some you know time together, but we really yes. didn't get into Maria Hill's story. And again, you 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 introduce the subject in the conversation that's coming, but we have the opportunity now with seven sure. and eight out there that we've kind of seen. Maria Hill story progress a bit and everything, and her bleeding from her uh, her uh, abdomen wound, and uh, also uh, Jessica being on the scene is surrounded by some uh, Maria life model decoys, and also uh, like another confrontation like coming with proving, Sharon Carter. Correct. I like how you're proving to me that you read it. That's so sweet. Well, you know, every now and then I <laughs> like, for instance, my lack of knowledge uh-huh. on Diamondback. I do uh-huh. want you to know I've been reading. No, 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 no. Diamondback. Listen, beyond the Luke Cage TV show. Diamondback was as inside baseball as it gets. Okay, and I was so, going to ask, yeah, that's that same character. Like, you shouldn't feel bad that you didn't know this. This is one of the, like, like when people who watched Luke Cage are now and only know Diamondback from that show. Yes. Are questioning what I just said and, and looking at Wikipedia to go, oh, he's right. That was what happened in the comic, because that's not beat for beat what happened on the show. Okay, and that's what so, I was going to ask as well. I'm glad you yeah. brought that back. So very Yeah, sweet. so, but we are going and we'll continue to be with um, comic book continuity and the universe that these characters sure. are born. And um, it's always a question I get like, almost every day. So I'd like to point out um, that we're, we're building on what we're doing. Like Luke and Jessica are married in the Defenders comic book, but not True. Uh, on the TV show. You know, right. just, just we're years ahead of them in continuity or or a version of continuity. No, so, but I, I remember when Hickman took over Avengers, his first issue looked very much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know uh, Jerry Duggan with his first issue of Guardians, you know, uh, I think made nods to the to the cinematic universe as well. And that's good. I mean, yeah, obviously, it's I, a jumping I, I, on point. Makes sense. Sure, no, but anything that's a, that's a marketing plus, anything that gets people to look is good. Sure. You know what I mean? As, as long as you're not lying. As long as, like, you open a book, wait a minute, there's no rocket raccoon in this. Right. You know, you don't want to do that, but... <coughs> excuse me. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to have these um, platforms where millions of people are, are seeing... Like, millions of people have seen Jessica Jones. Yes. Millions of people have not read Jessica Jones. So, but it's nice to have that base in which we can, uh, you know, g- you know, turn some heads, and we do. No question. And yeah. also, I I, uh, I like thematically. You talked about it in the press conference, um, or I should say, Tom and Dave talked about it in the press conference. But we talked about it, and you'll hear it later on about how in the grounded world of the <laughs> defenders, and certainly in Jessica Jones. We get these moments where they're sitting like in a sidewalk cafe, and all of a sudden, you know, Thor flies by real fast yeah. and stuff. And it's that kind of imagery to both, you know, set this thing and be very grounded and it be like a realistic story, but also reminding people it's still the Marvel universe. The Marvel universe, universe yeah. which is always what we did with Jessica Jones and even in Daredevil. You know, if there's a chance to, you know, remind to have Nova fly by. <coughs> just it also, you know, because for story wise, it also. Um, it's not just being cute. You're you're kind of giving perspective to the series. You're sure. saying, you know, Jessica's down here for her reasons, and she looks up and will have feelings about. I could have been up there. I could be up there right now, but I'm not, or I don't want to be, or I don't feel I could. All those things are are, are very interesting, and and so the juxtaposition of what would be a 
traditional Marvel comic versus where Jessica's head is at is always one of the um, uh, appeals of her, you know. Agreed. But may I say one, one second, if I could, hold on, I'm going to take a drink. But, you know, what I just said about <clears throat> the shows and the movies really help market these books. Yes. Some people fall into that mindset where they think that that means that we're following along with the movies and the TV shows, which is not what happens. The the movies and the TV shows follow the books. All they, that's always the way, you know. We're, you know they <coughs> cherry pick out of the books what will make the best shows. So that so we 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 continue on our path. I, I go down my road with my story. I don't I don't now try to tailor my story towards what I think that audience will do. I, I want them to get a different experience sure. from the comics than they would. And also I like when people say, oh, my God, and I Guardians the most. Uh, the Guardians audience was the most hungry for more than any audience of any of these franchises. And I would get so many Guardians was my first book. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh my God, I love comics now. Um, from that, th- as much as I did on Ultimate Spider-Man, crazy. So, but what 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 works is that people go, Oh my God, I love the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, and they go, Oh, then you should read the comic because you know DNA did this, and then Sam Humphrey did that, and then Brian did this, and then they get into it, sure. and and then or they see uh, Guardians Volume Two here. Don't know if you've seen it yet. And uh, um, Guardians Volume 2 has a different origin of Star-Lord than we have in the comics, so people can read and compare and contrast. It's cool. Jerry and uh, Aaron's... Uh... No, um, uh, the, the the classic origin of Star-Lord, which I yes. reinterpreted in my, the very beginning of my Guardians run. Yes. Um, because that, that was like a statement to me of like where I thought people didn't know how cool Star-Lord is, like that his origin is as good as Spider-Man's if you really break it down to story beats mm-hmm. and and so we we retold me and steve mcniven retold the origin yes in, in our point one issue uh just as as a starting point but that was material from the original creators that we unpacked not unlike writing like kind of i looked at it like i was doing like the ultimate edition of star lord like we're gonna slow down and tell this story just like we did for peter parker yeah no, I but have that. that. That's all original material. I have that black and white uh, Star Lord original. Wasn't it Steve Englehart? I want to say wrote it. Yes, yes, I do want to say that too. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I apologize. But did, did you see? Speaking of Englehart, the History Channel superhero two part documentary. No, I didn't. How was it? Honestly, I I have to say the first the first two hours, I felt like all right, we've seen this documentary a million times, and I was a little disappointed. Second part was great. Because it really emphasized the, the heroes of color, uh, more okay. women, um, and right. uh, it got into things. But it was great for a variety of talking heads. Uh, Sana Amat was really good. Gail okay. Simone did great. Wade did great. Steve Englehart did a nice hunk on the original uh, Secret Empire, and it was fantastic. And, nice. you know, I was surprised, though, because they didn't have him talk about Batman. And that, that kind of surprised me because they certainly spent a lot of time on Frank Miller and Dark Knight. And they had this uh, psychologist talking head say, 
you know, Batman was a joke before Frank Miller. And I'm like, I wouldn't quite say that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think yeah, Danny O'Neill and Steve Engelhardt. That's and, not true. Yeah, that's Marshall not, Rogers, Neil Adams. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's about a, there's about six or seven, if not a dozen guys that would, like, be happy to have a discussion with you. And if I'm not mistaken, about 25 years. Yeah. In, in between, yeah. Uh, I, I'm assuming they're talking about the Batman TV show versus the Dark Knight. Right. And I, and, and, the jump. And, then, and from a mainstream standpoint, I do understand that. But it's like, yeah, the comics kind of took care of that really about four or five years after Batman. Thank you. Not even yeah, that you know, it, Not it, it's, really it, months these documentaries. That. These documentaries are very funny. Um, um, she, I, you get offered them like weekly. Sure. Yeah, like, like, you know, and and like, like that was one. I just was in Atlanta. I couldn't do it. Oh, you know. And um, but what's weird about them is you can tell from the way they invite you to be part of it is that. I, I like when they're interviewing and and they're and then they'll piece together what the documentary is based on what they have. Yes. But sometimes, particularly with news organizations, you'll see that they've already outlined the documentary and have already decided what it's about before they find out what we're going to say. Yes. And so they they basically start looking for people to fill in the lines of dialogue that they want for their documentary versus actually discovering something. Totally and, agree. and when I see that, I kind of I kind of uh, disinvite myself because I'm like, oh, you've already you've already decided what the truth is. That's not. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that, you know, no, I like I, did this, I just did the one I, I said yes to that I'm really happy I said yes to was I'm part of the um, Nat Geo documentary series coming out called uh, Year 1000. I but it's all like to talk to me. I don't yeah, know. no, I I think they're just announcing it soon. But it's like uh, it's all like futurists, of which I'm the stupidest. Um, <laughs> uh, not Joe. By the way, I'm not being. I you'll see. I am not being cute. There is like there is a. I, I saw the list. I'm like I should not. I'm not okay. I'm I'm the I'm the, I'm the plucky comic relief of this piece. But anyway. Um, uh, yeah, the day I was there, I met Sid Mead. Like that's who was there. It was like cool, you know. I don't know. So who's that um, guy? Uh, he's, he designed like all the greatest sci-fi designs of uh, of all these amazing movies and stuff. He's just one of my heroes. Oh, cool. Uh, you can Google it, and you'll be like, oh, I know who that is. I I felt so, the same way when I was on Prophets of Science Fiction, and they had all these PhD guys talking about Jules Verne. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. so uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like it's like, I I have this vision of like some great scientist saying something about climate change, and then they cut to me going, "So how you make a goblin bomb?" Is yeah, anyway. So <laughs> nice. That's awesome, yeah, so, man. That's really cool that you're doing a. So, but 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 in this, in my my point was that uh, when I got there, it it seemed that they were literally asking people, "What do you think the future will be, and how do you think we're going to get there?" Not here's what we think the future is going to be. Tell tell me. Yes, fit this cookie know, cutter. Yes, I like, exactly yeah. And, and and I already saw like the first episode, and I was like, yeah, see, they did it right. And I, and and they 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 molded it together from the pieces that they had. They sculpted, and that was cool. You know, it's so so. If sometimes when you see that, and particularly when you see like a first episode that looks very traditional, they've pretty much put it together. Right. That way. And, honestly, and again, I don't know these people. God bless them for even trying, but that that's the difference sometimes. Well, and honestly, I, I emphasize the second part was really good, and they, mm-hmm. they did hit new territory. 
came yeah. at it from different angles, and it was it was a more Morgan Spurlock uh, production. Yeah, and they're, they're good dudes. Yeah, I mean, I, he knows honestly, what he's doing. Yeah. He knows how to make a yeah. documentary, and and you know that's I a just, choice. I just, you know what I mean? You know when you see the when you see a sheet. Did you ever get one of those? You get one of those from the Prophets of Science people. What kind of sheet? Oh, in terms with, of like a way organized with their thoughts. Yes, like, there's organized and there's. We want you to say this, right? Oh no, absolutely. I won't. I won't do the documentary so they tell me what they want me to no, say. No, no, and and you're right. And no, my guys were the science fiction guys were great, and um, I, they really wanted our individual thoughts on on Lucas and Asimov and uh, uh, Jules Verne were the episodes I worked on. So yeah, that was great. And for, oh, by the way, for people who thought that me complaining about the level of quality of documentary and being invited to be part of sounds shitty, I apologize. <laughs> Covering his ass. Every day. No, listen, I, I, I sound a little, but, but the reality is I get invited to these things and I, I've, I've learned from, uh, from, uh, whatchamacallit, from experience that oh, that's I, when I see a documentary, I go, why don't I like this? It's because, oh, because they, this was written. This wasn't discovered. Well, yeah. And also, again, I, I feel like I, I, I can appreciate 10 years ago when History Channel did a similar, uh, documentary that, okay, it's less known. But now it's like, okay, we've done this a lot, both independent producers and networks. Mm -hmm. It's time for new stuff. And in fact, I've been expecting it because of the innovations in comics from the last 25 years or almost 30 years. If you go back to the 90s, the image revolution is a very important thing. And certainly with the success of Walking Dead uh, shows that and will only continue to as more image books become other media properties and and things and you know they 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 did a lot on on deadpool i mean they they leaned into what the movies and television are that are out there which is good because there are some you know left field and not you know obvious choices like superman and batman that have become there there should be like a wolf of wall street slash uh the big shot story of the comics in the 90s oh yeah totally Totally. Don't steal. There should be an HBO movie about how the comic industry completely fucked itself. Sure, Carl and Carl Eichen and and Rev and uh, Rod Perlman and all those guys. Yeah, they all yeah. should be part of the story. I think you're right. Yeah, Toy absolutely. biz, everything. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, that. there's there's fascinating stuff that's happened in this in this market over and over. No, you're 100 percent right. I'm gonna have to talk to my documentary friends, and we got to fire that up. <laughs> you like that one, right? I there you no, go. I think you're right, man. No, those yeah. have been the most this interesting. Be a Kirby books. biography. What? Say it again. And then, this is what should go on this year. There should be Jack Kirby, major Jack Kirby biography, which there has never been. True. Um, he should be up for either uh, a, Ken, a posthumous Kennedy Center honor or whatever the Nobel Nobel Prize for Literature is, because um, at this point, it is inarguable. That he and Stan are major, major, not, not not just in comics, but of all literature of all time. Yeah. All right. We are, we are well within, uh, uh, you know, a hundred years of this will have gone by. You know what I mean? Yes. That, that's 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 a major achievement. The the, the awards, uh, the, the accommodations to the to these men have not equaled their uh, achievement, and uh, uh, Jack Kirby in particularly. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you know, like, like Stan's still alive, so they remember to give him things. You know? Yes, and and you know, like, Danny like Figueroa's working on his biography with Stan and everything. So you know, no, no, but and even like Disney, they they made him like like there, there there's there's a special like 
Imagineer of all time, like you know, uh, award at Disney, he's getting one, as as as, as he should certainly. Uh, but um, but I, I I think that there's a lot more can be done for Stan and Jack. Agreed. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they're like Walt it's Disney and, and Jim Henson and Edgar yeah. Rice Burroughs and Arthur Conan Doyle in terms of making. You are 100 percent correct. Yeah. Yeah, and they should, and, and but are not still seen this way. Stan yep. more than Jack because he's still here. Yes. And and he's funny and, he, and he's cute. You know what I mean? So so people see him on in the movies and stuff, and people remember him. Oh yeah. But but I I, I as time goes on, you, you're sitting there going, all right. The entire culture is wrapped around these characters now. The entirety of it. Well, and and getting back to your documentary idea, it would be great yeah. to hear a Jack Kirby counterpoint to the Marvel story. Because you, I'm sure you've heard that radio air check when it was uh, Jack's 70th birthday, and the and the yeah no yeah I'm I I am will uh, for always for always will be fascinated by Jack's relationship to all of this. Yep. Yeah, because because um, uh, again, uh, you know, Marvel was Marvel is not a thing; it's people. So sure. the people who run Marvel at that time, many years ago, none of which who run it today. True. Right. The people who run it today made good on his on his legacy. Yes. You know, yep. Some people some people get lost in that Marvel like that corporations aren't people. You know what I mean? Uh, like like our government. Sometimes they get lost <laughs> in the idea. Yeah. And what did uh, what did uh, um, there was an old joke Bob got Bob Cat Goldthwaite had about getting mad at Ronald Reagan for how the country's run is like getting mad at Ronald McDonald when you get a bad cheeseburger. <laughs> and and like, like literally sometimes people get mad at Spider-Man when, they, when they're mad at Marvel or something, you know, but there's people who run it and, you know, and, and it's been different people at different times with different agendas. Right. Sure. And, um, and I'm fascinated by that tumultuous decades of time where he would come and go and re-sign contracts and then get mad that he did it. <laughs> I would love, I would look, I would love an exhaustive documentary about that. Agreed. No, I think I think you're right, and uh, you know, not just you get little, you get you get little glimpses when he spoke to uh, Will Eisner, and it's on that mm-hmm. Will Eisner uh, documentary. Shop talk, yes, shop talk. The yes. actual, yeah. When you, I mean, you know, it's transcribed in the Dark Horse Shop Talk book, but when you actually hear uh, Jack and uh, Will have that conversation, <clears throat> no, you know where's you know where his heart is at that moment. Yeah, at that moment, and then there's another conversation from ten years later that he's, he has a different feeling about it. There you go, and that's that's the part that fascinates me. Um, I not that he was screwed over, and that sucks, but that there was a lot more layers to it. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, and that and a lot more personalities to it. And I've read almost everything there is to read on it, and I, I don't know. I just I, I I think that story is interesting. Totally. And, 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 and by the way, most of Jack's story is biography ready, really. Agreed. His wartime stuff, him coming down to punch Nazis. I mean, that, like, you know, you can make a movie out of that easy. <laughs> so. I, I quite agree. We have enough here for a fine intro to uh, part two if you want to wrap up. Oh, is that it? No, I mean, no, whatever you want to do. I mean, hey, part we can two. make it a three-parter. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're good. I, I, I was, I'm rambling because I... Have to go right now, and I don't want to. No, I respect that, and no, thanks for doing uh, the extended intro for part two. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, we're we're going to get into a lot of subjects that we didn't. So, what know. anniversary of us is this? We is this were January of two thousand six was our first conversation. So it's our ten year anniversary. Yeah, well, yeah, two thousand, yeah, ten and change, eleven, or yeah, 
No, it would be well, you went, 10 would have been last year, so it would be 11. All right, Mazel Tov to us. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. And you got me nothing. Well, exactly. And then well, what happened was you just did a regular word balloon, and then people we saw each other at the New York Comic Con, and you're like, right. God, this has been great. Or no, we did – first we did like the no, three-part. Chicago part. was first. I saw you in Chicago first. Well, very first. That's funny. You really remember meeting me in Chicago? Yeah. That's nice. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, it's true. Um, I just know that we, um, well, then that was actually August of 2005 when I said, hey, come on, Word Balloon. And I handed okay. you an MP3 disc of, like, my shows. And showed me your nipple, if I'm, I, if I'm you're mistaken. Right. Yes, with the yeah, piercing, okay. yes. Indeed. That, that, was your, uh, that was your move back then. <laughs> It worked. Ew. You got the show. <laughs> I know that's how you got Loeb. Loeb never does these. So <laughs> I got to get him back. He, I, he hasn't been on. Well, um, number one, may I say uh, congratulations on your anniversary. Thanks, congratulations on, by the way, sticking to your guns and doing the show that you want to do. Amen. All right? The way you want to do it. Thanks, buddy. Uh, um, I, I'm, as, as the years go by, you should be very, very proud of that. And I'm very, you know, I'm very, very proud to be part of this broadcast, and I always have been. Means a lot. So, um, thank you. And as we start uh, part two, let's say thank you to everyone who always checks in on us. Man, we love you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right. So listen to whatever the bullshit I said before, and uh, we'll see you soon. Well, let's see if uh, we we stay true to our word, but we're going to try and do more of these. This year. Yes, I really do. I would like to do more of these. I think about it all the time. No, you, I know you're doing. It's all right. You're, hey, man. And, and I say no to many podcasts specifically because, well, if I have time to do that, then I have fucked up a job. Oh, that's so, really nice. Thank you. That, 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 yeah, John comes first, and then and then everybody else. Wow. Well, thank yeah. you. Welcome back. Yes. Y'all, you know, please. You know that. It's uh, All right. and I was glad like today we have something to talk about. So that's good. Yeah, as we're recording uh the yeah, the news hit uh, today and uh, please it's your news so uh, tell everyone what they already know. Yeah. <laughs> so um so when we announced uh, today when I woke up um Paramount announced that Paul Greengrass is going to direct the Torso movie. Wow. And Brian Egeland who wrote uh LA Confidential is uh writing it as we speak and we're very excited about it. We've known for a long time this is what this is like for people who want to know how this stuff works. Um, we've known about it for months and months. Uh, I told a couple of close friends and you're like, well, that's awesome. And then uh, you just one day you got to let the studio announce it, you know, you know, sure. So, of course. And also I to me, it feels more real when they announce it. That's I wait like 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 when they say it's real, it's real, you know, and then uh and yes, yeah, so we're very excited. I mean, I you know this this project is as uh, tumultuous as um, anything ever that that Hollywood's ever had. We're almost at year twenty. Wow. Uh, of the, yeah, of developing this as a feature. Uh, first, uh, um, myself and Mark and Draco did drafts um, when Miramax bought it a long time ago, and then um, uh, Paramount bought it years ago for David Fincher, and then that. Uh, didn't happen, even though it got very, very close. People know it was greenlit and then ungreenlit. And then um, uh, another director, the guy who directed the Peach Dragon movie, he was going to direct it. That was weird that that was a, like that's a good, good example because that got announced a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really like a done deal. Like I'm not even sure how that got announced. You know, like there's stuff like that. Like like you know, 
Like some things just go away. Like I have a deal right now that's that's happening. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Like I would never tell anybody about it. Okay. Because I'm just not sure it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That, and then it, that got announced. And then I was like, all right, they announced it. But it, and then it went away like 40 minutes later in real life. Like, like you know. So um, uh, when we got the call that Paul Greengrass was circling, I got very excited. I'm a big fan of his legitimately. Sure. Yeah, the born, the good born identity movies are Paul Greengrass. Probably equal to uh, as big of a fan as I am of David Fincher's. And what I was excited about David Fincher making Torso was that I did like it's like I don't care what he does with it. I'm interested in like I just want to see what he does. Sure. Like I don't. I'm not gonna like you know you know and and um, but because it was a genre that David Fincher has some familiarity with, I kind of in my head kind of had an idea of what it might be. Whereas with Paul Greengrass, I particularly love Captain Phillips so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to see that energy apply to this story. And I've not seen that before. I've not seen one who directs like Paul Greengrass direct a serial killer movie or this, you know, biography of Ness that handles this part of his life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, that's just as a film fan, I'm really excited about that. That's that's honestly my honest assessment. Like I have, I've had time to think about it. Sure. And, and I'm dying to see what he does. I'm dying to visit the set and see how he does it. Literally just on my, on my own selfishness. Like no, I'm, I get it. I to see how this sausage is made because it's so different than how I've seen other people do it. Yeah, he's so, a distinct auteur. No question. Yes. And yeah, and that's why and, it'll and, be fun to see in his hands. No question. Even if the movie doesn't work, I have the same feeling I have by David Fincher, which is if, God forbid, everything just didn't work, it's still a Paul Greengrass movie that has interest for film historians. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like it, 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 it becomes just because of who he is. It becomes part of something. And I'm very excited about that. That's cool. And, no. on, and honestly honored. I, I talk both Mark and I are just really, really honored that. Um, this quality of filmmaker keeps finding us. Yeah. So hopefully this will go, but it really, at the moment, sounds very much like it's going to go. But we'll see. Have you had contact with him yet or no? Not directly. Um, it's all, you know, yeah, people. people. It's all junk people, but um, I've heard nothing but good stuff coming out of his area. And the stuff that he is interested in is the reason I drew the book in the first place. Fantastic. So uh, that is, yeah, that, that's why I didn't feel like this, like I'm dying. I got, I've just talked to him right now. Like, I'm like what I heard, I was like, yeah. I, and I've read the outline and I'm like, okay, you, you, this, you, you got it. Excellent. I, yeah. I read, and you tell me if this is something that, you know, whoever wrote it, I, I'm not sure. I only saw it in one site where they were talking about this potentially being a franchise. And I guess I was confused, given where Torso takes place in Elliot Ness's life, that if they're thinking yeah, of franchise, I'm like, that's really that's a weird place to start. I mean, they could flash well, back, I suppose. No, but there's there's a way. In, it, it's funny because uh, um, the the word franchise means different things for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on a second, my daughter is texting me. No problem. Lynn, just letting me know where she is. Okay, good. And. Um, uh, but yeah, so so there's like there's franchise and franchise. It's a weird thing, but there's 
you got to remember the Untouchables TV show ran for like an insane amount of years. <laughs> like I think it's it's like it's not in Gunsmoke territory, but it's certainly in ER territory. Well, and it and it and, was thirty nine episodes a season back then. I mean, yeah, was, you know, and two thirds of a or yeah, three quarters of a year basically. And the book it's based on is only one hundred thirty pages. Yes, yeah. so. <laughs> Yeah, I think by episode six, they were off into their own stuff on the TV show. So I, I we'll, we'll see. I, it, from my understanding and my research with the character, there's certainly many stories to tell. Sure. Um, yes. So if there's a way to angle this story to tell those other stories. That'd be uh, that'd, that'd be cool. Oh sure, I just yeah. you know uh, again, it's, it's you, unique. When... Yeah, it, it's a unique thing to see uh, the word franchise when there's a beginning, middle, end of a story. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. Because yeah. like Prime Suspect it was, I guess, technically a franchise. It was television, but you know that that it's. I mean, and she continued to have missions, and and obviously it was fiction, but yeah. you know. Not the not the happiest uh, trajectory, and and again, like you, you know, when you compare it to the superhero franchises, it's like, well, yeah, you know, you think the hero's going to win, and uh, again, I'll let if if people are curious and want to read what happened to Elianess, we've discussed it a bit yes. in the past. I mean, you know, there, so there's evidence, and of course, there's Wikipedia. Um, yeah, it's, it, but yeah, it's interesting, and there's again, evidence, and there's Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry. sure, I'm sure that's a, that is. I was laughing because that is how I look at Wikipedia. <laughs> Like it's a yeah. it's a place where you start, but then you got to go find out if any of the thing you just read is true. I, I to name drop sometimes it, it is, and sometimes it isn't. Um, this podcast has already dropped, but um, two weeks ago I was in Utah for a con, and I was interviewing Marv Wolfman, and it went really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I saw my I, I I liked it to listen to later. Oh, good. Oh, excellent. The um, but yeah, how'd I go, it go? It it really did go well because the first time he was on Word Balloon. Podcasts were new. This was going way much longer than he expected. I thought it was just going to be a ten minute interview. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right, whatever. And uh, and no, you know, I mean, he knows how how long a panel is and stuff. But no, he was great and he answered questions. And uh, but the first question I asked him was, I did see, and I thought it was a weird little credit that um, DC short. Uh, not, it was inconsistent at DC to get your name at the front of a story, and especially if you were doing. Uh, the House of Mystery kind of anthology stories and stuff. And, mm. um, you know, he tells the story on the podcast, but basically he got, because his name was Wolfman at first, the, the censors, the, the comics code, was like, ah, ah, Wolfman, what are you doing? And it's like, no, that's the writer's name. And he's like, they're like, really? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, all right, fine. So that's he, funny. And and because of that, writers got their names on, on the fronts of stories and stuff. And it was in Wikipedia. And I said, I read this in Wikipedia, so it may not be true. He's like, nothing on Wikipedia is true. <laughs> and he's like, I swear to God, I've, I've had like a million things I've tried to change over the years. And it just, they, I mean, it's me. And they just won't accept it. And it's like, all right. Yeah, no, I, I have I've had the, literally the exact same situation happen. Yeah. Um, my my mother-in-law had uh, years ago written all kinds of stuff on my Wikipedia page um, that uh, that I didn't think needed to be there. <laughs> And, uh, um, and, and, and I, and I went to delete it and the person who runs my Wikipedia page, who I have no idea who it is, or if they're still with us, I have no idea, uh, would not let me, uh, and refused to allow me to do so. And, uh, I, I remember that feel, that was a weird feeling. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Well, that's why. Like, so, but, when, uh, in the but third- I, 
but I am. I'm. I'm. I'm Brian Bendis. Well, that's why. So, like, you what's know, the source? My existence. <laughs> when the third Elliot Ness movie is him, you know, fighting a zombie horde. Well, oh my god, I would love that. <laughs> All, All right, right now it's uh, real. Uh, no, and it's it's paramount. Maybe we can do like an Ethan Hunt Elliot Ness team up. Oh, I got it worked out. Transformer Elliot Ness. Oh there, my there god! There you go. And of course, it's the Enterprise. You wouldn't see that movie. Elliot Ness versus the Transformers. I'd rather see like the Enterprise beam him up. Mr. Ness, we need oh, you to God, fight the Klingons. Great. <laughs> oh my Untouchables God. Untouchables in space. You'd watch that in two seconds. You, you, you laugh. You'd watch that in a minute. Yeah, You'd maybe. be in line. You'd maybe. be first, first there. I'll anyway. be interested to see who they cast, and most likely an unknown. So. I, uh, for Elliot Ness? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, well, I, I will let you know when they, when they announce it. Have you heard things? I have heard, I've heard things. All right. I've heard things. Exactly, De Niro. All right. Yeah. Could I be. will be playing, I will be playing all the parts, if that's okay. <laughs> Hello? Of course, I haven't spoken to anybody, but I'm sure that's, I can kind of tell that's where we're going. I think we're looking for a Brian Bendis type. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, got, they got a million guys and give them that Brian Bendis feeling. Anyway. Very nice. No, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's exciting. It's classy. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, our, our, our mutual buddy, David Engel, uh, producing the film after the success of Straight Outta Compton. Tremendous. So our, our dirtbag friend, David Engel, is now a <laughs> legitimately a prestige picture Hollywood producer. That's awesome. I can't wait right? to. Right? I mean, Straight Outta Compton was an Oscar movie. Yep. And so it was, uh, you know, Paul Greengrass is an Oscar dude. So totally. these are. These are these are prestige projects, and yeah, heavy hitters, man. Couldn't be proud of him. That's excellent, man. He'll never return my calls now. (laughs) (laughs) But did he before? He will. No, he will. What are you talking about? He'll want to talk boxing. This is we're getting into a good uh, season of boxing coming up in the next couple weeks. Exactly. I'm just saying. So no, that's awesome. I look forward to visiting him on the lot, like a Robert Evans or whatever, and (laughs) his his office in the Alfred Hitchcock building. Exactly like a Robert Evans. (laughs) You know, like a Bob Evans. The, anyway. bubble, the bungalow next door to me is occupied by Cary Grant. So. <laughs> <laughs> you Every time eyes. I see a clip of it, they keep showing up on cable, that movie. Kid um, stays in the picture? Yeah, every time I see a little leaf and a little blip of it, I'm like, holy shit, what? I love that movie. I love the way they made that with the photographs and kind of doing the 3D panorama look and everything. I, I love it. It's excellent. In fact, um, Five Came Back. We, I think we might have talked about this book. It's, I was trolling uh, Twitter waiting for you, and uh, Five Came Back is this really neat book about the uh, established movie directors that went to World War II and did all the propaganda films. It was Frank Capra, John Huston, John Ford, William Wyler, oh. and who was number five? Oh, it was George uh, George Stevens. Oh. It's an amazing book, Well, so well-researched, and um, they made a documentary – and um, the author was talking about, oh, you know, the documentary just debuted at Lincoln Center tonight. I'm so proud. I can't wait for this thing to get out there. So look for that in the months ahead. That's a new documentary. And cool. Really interesting. Really, really interesting. What they were doing before World War II, how the war affected them after World War II. And, I mean, these are powerhouse film directors. I mean, yeah, you, you heard the five, so. Sure, yeah. These are exactly even even uh, to uh, kids that you know turn their nose up to black and white movies. Like no, these these guys, you really should pay attention to their work. They're they're geniuses. So wow, yeah. So anyway, right. so cool, yeah, man. I'm curious. And I'm curious because on, I mean I don't know what kind of archival film 
they have as far as the directors go. But yeah, I wonder how they're going to present the information given that everybody's dead. So you, buy, you know what? But sometimes those the, these are the movies that really yeah have the, have the cool footage or. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they, no, it's definitely. That's what sparks the whole idea in the first place. Oh, though. definitely. And I mean, that's the thing. The book is amazing. The book is absolutely worth reading if you're interested. It's five uh, came cool. Five came back. Reading for fun. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, what remember? Holy shit! <laughs> I know what you mean. Holy Jeez. crap! So there you go. So um, now there's a few new announcements. Um, you, you got defenders coming up in the month. Yes, ahead. defenders. We're we're very. Very jazzed about Defenders. So it's me and it's David Marquez and Justin Ponsner. Okay. Who, uh, we've been uh, a team together uh, since uh, our Maz Morales and we did Iron Man yep. and Civil War II. Yep. And um, uh, this project has been um, cooking for a while, which I, I say um, because I, I think sometimes um, some projects need to cook a little longer than they do. Uh, this one did, and um, it is uh, perfect. Like it's just, it's just really the perfect creative palate cleanser for me and David after Civil War. Um, it is something that I've really said when I'm done with Guardians, I'm going to make a, a grand effort to return to the streets of Marvel and build them into something. Uh, evolve them into something more modern yet very scary, and uh, and between this and Jessica Jones and Miles, yeah, I really have. Uh, and even in the Iron Man books, I have a I have a real place to do that. And plus, Charles Soule and I are very much on the same page with a lot of um, the stuff of the characters. So um, we have really big plans to really shake up the streets of the Marvel universe and really add some scary elements that weren't there before. Uh, that uh, that will feel very real, like like the seventies. I would say uh, like seventies Marvel comics felt more like real. You know what I mean? Like, I like do. The, the, and, and and I just wanted to put that back in uh, without being preachy or lecturing or anything. Just just a more of a reflection. And uh, also, you know, we've got these characters that don't necessarily make a good team. Um, as as individuals, as a team, and so what will happen is in on Free Comic Book Day, we have a brand new storyline uh, story in the Guardians of the Galaxy free, free comic book by um, uh, Jerry Dogan and team, and uh, our first chapter of Defenders is in that book, and it's a big one. Um, I literally pitched it as Born Again Times Four. So um, you want to check that out because a lot of shit's going to hit the fan fast. So did you write a, a portion of that story, or it's woven into Jerry's story, or both? No, 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 no. It, it, like um, the free comic book days are like flip books. They're like uh, oh, two so it's half and half. It's half, 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 half. So um, there's a Spider-Man one uh, that's Chip, and then there's a, one that's me and Jerry, and that's got Guardians and Defenders on the cover, but it's got like it. Guardians. And uh, so, and, but. Uh, I am really, really excited about this. I it's it's it took um a lot of research and research I was doing for Murder Incorporated as well. But I was I had all these notes and ideas for things, and Defenders really lets me do all of it, and it also lets me you know lets lets me return in New Avengers without calling it New Avengers. Who's the lineup? Give us the lineup it's, again. Uh, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Daredevil. But already in the very first issues is 
Blade and Paladin and Punisher and uh, just White Tiger and Spider Man oh. and it's it's the streets of Marvel. Uh, so the core is the four, okay. But the but the the landscape is huge. It's, it's, it's Godfather Two is is what we're aiming for. Funny. It's, it's elaborate, and and so so all of these players are involved. That's so anyone you've ever thought about in, in uh, at street level will appear in this book. Well, if the Sons of the Dragon don't have at least an advisory capacity... Sons of the be- Dragon, Daughters of the Dragon, Moon Knight, Shang-Chi. I could keep going. Attaboy. Kingpin. Hammerhead? Nice. Uh, I, I got a Kingpin Iron Fist scene in issue two I'm so fucking proud of. Oh, that's cool. Because I was like, no one's done this before. Um, it's just when you find those little... Uh, connections between characters that haven't been shown, uh, that are just obviously right there if you think about it for two seconds. Um, like, there are parties that Wilson Fisk and Danny Rand would both be at. Sure. You know, like, of like course. Even things like that. There are circles they would both know. Yep. And, um, that's I, true. I, that's uh, never, that hasn't ever happened where they've yeah, been and, and I, I just got you get really jazzed when the pieces start coming together. Sure. You know, when you take a character like Jessica Jones, who's absolutely no business being on a team, what could possibly motivate her? <laughs> and and you'll find out in the first issue. That's excellent. I've really and I we can we can save this for a longer conversation later. But I've really been enjoying, obviously, you and Michael back on Jessica Jones, and it's Michael's art makes the Marvel universe, especially at the street level, look more real because it, it, it's so crazy. He he hasn't missed a beat. Um, no, you know some people their style changes or they can't get it back. You know what I mean? Uh, they return to the scene of the crime. They just can't get it back. Uh, Godfather three. And, um, I, I just, I, that's an old movie. Back. I don't know if, I don't know if our audience would actually know what that movie is, but you go. On. Oh, oh yeah. Let's speaking of that. You want to go down this road, man. You know, I, I with the four little children, one of which is, 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 is a full flown, full blooded teenager. Yes. Uh, at this point. Uh, so her and her friends are in there. Uh, we're 14 and we want to see horror movies. Oh, my. So, and so, no, it's great because, <laughs> you know, all they know is fucking um, Conjuring or whatever, <laughs> or, you know, the, whatever's out that week. Right. Yes, I know. But over the, over the years, this is, you know, there's quite a handful of outstanding horror movies. So Absolutely. I got to show them. I think I told you I showed them uh, um the Blair Witch Project, and I told them it was a true story, and they all fucking bought it until they read uh, the 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 the, score, the credits, and someone got accredited for the score, and one of them goes, "Why is there a score on the documentary?" <laughs> I mean, they fucking bought every second of it. It was the greatest thing ever. That's and then, um, That's so we were going through stuff, and then and then, I'm like, oh, you know what? They they were looking like for funny horror movies, right? Okay, and like, oh, I never showed them Scream, right? Oh, good. They sure. loved it. Of it course. totally holds up. But guess how old that movie is? Twenty-one years old. God damn. Yeah, it hurts. Wow, ninety-six. <laughs> Holy shit! It was hilarious because they watched it, they loved it, and then I'm sitting here like you know, like like the director's commentary. Like I know everything because I I know who Nev Campbell is. They have no idea who <laughs> Nev Campbell is, right? And it's uh, a and young Nev Campbell. It's like party but of all five. Those actors, all those actors are working on shows. Like all the actors are gainfully employed, you know? Right. Uh, so they all know them from something else, <laughs> uh, except for her, because she cashed out, right? Yes, yeah. But my, uh, my daughter's been binging Friends, so when Courtney Cox showed up, and then I get to tell her 
um, the elaborate story of how Courtney Cox and David Arquette fell in love on the set of this movie <laughs> and were broken up by the fourth one. And um, <laughs> I do sound like a genius, but it's hilarious. But, uh, but I, I couldn't believe how much they loved the movie and how well it hold, held up. And the reason I found out how old it was is they wanted to watch Scream 2. And when we put up Scream 2, it was in 1997. And when 1997, when did Scream come out? Because in my head, it was like 2009. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, 1996? Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That hurt. Oh, God. That's and awesome. And it hurt because it rarely hurts my wife. And when I like I pulled it up, it's said 1996, I heard it go, oof. <laughs> I just heard this, this little quiet oof. Yeah, man. No, I understand. It's Between yeah. that and uh, David Walker, when you next talk to him, you'll have to ask him about this. You know, me and David uh, taught uh, writing all yes. year yeah together and we're about the same age and so our reference pool can be similar uh it's why we're good friends and uh i i because i've taught before i i, I every time i make a reference and anything happened before 1999 i i pull the class does anybody know what the matrix is <laughs> and when only three hands go up you go oof <laughs> yeah, man, we did. We did talk about this before. Yeah, that, yeah it's it's it's. You we were telling us about your babysitter. That uh, yeah, she was born after the Matrix or whatever. No, that one was. Um, she didn't know. No, we have a we had a picture of George Takai on our on our refrigerator that's signed to Olivia from when she was a baby. That's awesome. And someone came in and goes, "Who's that?" And I go, it's "Sulu from Star Trek." To go. Next generation, and they go no. The the original Star Trek. They go there was an original Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 hurt. Marty Pasco was at that uh, Utah convention, and I was hanging with him mostly because literally he and Jai Nitz were like the two creators that I knew well. Marty brought a bunch of his Star Trek comic books uh, from. Both I love those Marty Pasco Star Trek. Yeah, comics. from both DC and Marvel. Uh, I loved them. Loved them. He, and he's showing these young people like, oh, Star Trek comics. He's like. Yes, uh, you know, I'm really proud of this uh, issue. Um, it was drawn by a real great. Do you know who Gil Kane is? No. Oh, well, um, he, uh, I know. <laughs> it's like, well, he, he invented uh, Green Lantern. We were stupid. It was the weekend that Iron Fist dropped on Netflix. I totally forgot he's the artist that created Iron Fist. So that's what we should have been saying because it was certainly on everyone's mind as it was dropping oh. and everything. Oh. So, and then another one was, and this is even better. And this is like you got to be an Uber comic book artist fan, but you'll know. And he's like, uh, "This is an incredible book. Have you ever heard of Gray Morrow? No. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh. well, he's very good. <laughs> and it's like, poor Marty, man. He had his he had all of his Bronze Age comics, and I'm like, dude, it's great stuff. I go, no, no. I go, it's. And I'm like, you know, Marty really knows Star Trek because he used to also write the comic strip. And, you know, he was going to actually that whole period uh, of chaos on the bridge, those first three seasons of Star Trek. um, He was up for a writing job when that writer strike happened in the middle of the first or second season. And so, yeah, he was he was being considered for the writing staff for Star Trek. He didn't get it, but he's a good Star Trek writer. That said, but anyway. Absolutely. Yes, but any, I digress. No, but you're you're hitting on another thing that, that is a little heartbreaking is that um, um, how much effort um, uh, you have to put forth to remind people about the history of things, you know. Uh, <laughs> and not that everyone, you know, some people just want to hear, you know, just want to read comics and be told stories, and they don't give a shit, you know. And that's true. Fine. True. Um, but um, 
you know, I, my Tumblr is, is so often a, a spotlight on someone I love uh, or and admire, and and uh, quite often people will think I've discovered them. Um, and uh, and the, the two names that that broke my heart a little bit is, and I think I told you this when I first worked with Bill Sienkiewicz, uh people were like, "What a fine! Where'd that guy come from?" Was the first. <laughs> Email by that. Was and that then, was that during end of days with the Daredevil? Uh, no, it was when we did uh, Ultimate Team up together. When I first oh, came yeah. to I, in my head, I'm like, I can't believe Bill Sienkiewicz is working with me. And then my guys were like, Who's Bill Sienkiewicz? <sighs> and uh, and then this it happened recently with um uh um I, I haven't told him yet, so if he listens to this, I guess we'll hear it. But uh, uh Kevin McGuire, they're like, uh, What a discovery! Oh man. I don't think Kevin listens yet. I haven't been able to get him on. You're gonna have to help me get him. Really? On. Been... I'll get him on. We, we're we're we we become buds. I know. I'll... I know that. And we had a really nice conversation in in Cincinnati at one of Tony Moore's uh, Cincinnati shows. Uh, but yeah, I've um, yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll make it happen. That'd be great. And I here's, can tell you guys here's some friends. here's some lovely name dropping. Yeah, he took me um, a couple weeks ago to John Cleese live. I saw that. Yes, please tell me yeah. about that experience. No, I just it, it is it's it's his one man show which had been on HBO, so I had seen the material, but it, he uh, was wonderful. And um, you know, I, I uh, as as we get, as we get along in the years, you start to admire those who are in their seventies and eighties who seem to have all of their marbles. Yep. And are still amazing. Uh, I told you, Carol Burnett. I'm sure mine are already leaving us as we speak. I, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, having having had lengthy conversation with elder gentlemen who have all their shit together. It, it's it's you're like life goal. Please, <laughs> no please shit. let me remember all this stupid shit when I'm old. Oh yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. No, I. Uh... Yeah, so it was a great show, and it was just like I love Kevin. And it was just and and he had not seen the show. He did not know it was a one man show that had aired, so uh, it was nice to. Um, he he really had a good time. That's cool. So was yeah. it like the alimony show that he did? With you know, yeah, it's the Al- he, he opens up with the alimony, and it was funny because I, I, I guess it's it is it is a pretty biting joke. He opens with why is someone as famous and iconic as me here in Portland in the middle of the night? Well, here's why, and he shows a picture of his wife drinking. And he goes, I have paid this woman $20 million. And from what I heard from my friends in California, I got off cheap. <laughs> but here I am. And the audience, and then and then he goes, and my lawyer said to me, you got off cheap. Imagine if she had contributed anything to the marriage. <laughs> Which is a pretty biting, angry joke. The audience is, it's one of those great jokes where you hear guys chuckle and women gasp at the same time. <laughs> it's like, which is, I got to say, probably the perfect response to a joke. Like, um, uh, I was, I've been listening to a lot of Pertice O'Neill lately, and uh, he there was this um, episode of the Green Room that he did with these other comedians, and him and Bob Saget and Roseanne. And um, for some reason, Pertice O'Neill was just lunging at Bob Saget, like what a sellout Bob Saget is, right? Wow. Um, and and in a funny ball busting way, like kind of like okay. he knows Bob Sackett is funnier than he lets on, so totally. he's gonna keep poking him until Bob Sackett pokes back. It's clearly, literally, just poking and poking and poking until he poked back, which he did. Okay. And in the <laughs> conversation, they were talking about how comedians get lost, and I think this about 
writers and any kind of storytellers as well is that people get lost in the wanting to be accepted and loved and that really if you think about what the perfect joke should be it should be half the people are on the floor laughing and the other half are fucking horrified sure sure. like that's the perfect joke and everyone agreed right but that most people are wired to needing love and affection and acceptance so they 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 run away from it eventually you know they, they they get their kicks out of fucking with the audience and then try to sell out right and 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 i, I was like I, I or or get the gig and then don't do the same edgy material they did that got them the gig well that's that whole louis uh three episode thing that was the end of the one season where he's supposedly going for letterman's job yes and, yes. and leno says you know you can't always be the edgy it's impossible to stay the edgy guy and, well, yeah. and it's fascinating because now we're watching it happen to um, Fallon and totally. uh, Fallon's ratings are, are, are way down. And it's because his show seems so inconsequential to everything that's going on in the world. Well, and he kind of fucked himself when he was, you know, playing with Trump. Yeah, that 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 tipped it over the edge. But already there was a sense of, you know, the, the world, the, there's really big things going on. Yes. And I think he positioned himself to be the other thing. Yep. And no, 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 we want to talk about this. You know, right. So. Colbert. I mean, that's you know, I'm really glad CBS stuck by Colbert. And I think Colbert yeah. is obviously more relevant than ever. And got Seth Meyers has certainly carved a nice, relevant niche for himself. I, yeah, and I, I swear to God, I'm not kissing his ass because he had me on the show. I, I, I find the writing on Seth Meyers to be outstanding. Clearly. I, 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 it just the, the level of craft of those. um uh, closer look. Closer looks. Yep. Uh, they're extremely well written, and now he's doing them daily. Yeah, you know, and uh, and and they're elaborate, and sometimes they're twelve to fifteen minutes long. That these are not easy. He's literally doing half of John Oliver's show every day. Yeah, and it's pretty impressive. No, definitely no, and it's you know Samantha B is kicking ass. Her yeah, show is great. John Oliver. John Oliver has been amazing. This oh year. yeah, I know. It was so it's one yeah. weird episode. He had this one weird episode where his performance was um bizarrely off like he kept screwing up jokes you know um I, I, which I, didn't, which... I didn't realize they do the show live live and okay. um, and uh but last two weeks were exceptional well i know that's why i was so bummed we're recording uh the monday after the republican health care uh act failed and i was really looking forward to seeing john oliver and it was he was off this week and it's like oh fuck well, yeah, and, uh, Bill Maher, who I literally can't stand, but whose show also has gotten good because of oh sure the, uh, the subject matter. Atmosphere. Yeah, but you have to like literally push through his arrogance. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Appreciate his. I don't know how you feel about him. He's just I, me nuts. I I like him, but no, he he can be. He, he shoots himself in the foot. There are a lot of people on both sides that step over the line, and they shoot themselves in the foot. And, I mean, you know, Rachel Maddow releasing the 205 uh, tax returns, it's like, you know, I love her, but you can't be right. Like, Mar was correct. He's like, you can't be right every time. This time she was wrong. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's shit like that. It's a very, very interesting time wherever you are on the political specter. It spectrum, is. It is. Spectrum. <laughs> spectrum. It is in politics. <laughs> it is in politics. Yeah. Hey, John. Yeah. Say hi to Olivia. John, I can't remember. Have you met Olivia in our passing, in our in our years? Years ago, hon. It was yeah, like, like you were a baby, 2009. <laughs> baby O. <old. laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to hear you. How are you? Good. Excellent. Just, 
telling him about your reaction to Scream? Huh? That you like? I, I, it's and, too many jump scares. I'm very... Huh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like too many, like, just to scare you jump scares and not, like, the actual killer. It's like too many, like, friends being like, hi. And I will uh, <laughs> be texting you the video of you and your cousin fighting over Mamma Mia. Please this do. This is maybe the greatest video of all time. That's hilarious. Mom texted me earlier and said that we should walk around me again, and I almost like punched the phone. <laughs> it bothered me so much. Yeah. Like the stuff that bothered you didn't even bother me nearly as much as the stuff that bothered me. All right, what have you read for fun that you want to plug on this oh, no. uh, podcast? I don't know. I don't. What I don't movie get to have you seen? I know you're. You're. Last thing I read was The Stranger by Albert Camus. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep, but that was because of English class. <laughs> and what movie would you recommend to the people listening? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is so much pressure. 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 <laughs> all right. Don't answer. I, I'm not going to answer. All I'm right. too dang. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. Well, that's that between uh, between your dad and uh, Frank handling no. the good music. She just so picked up the movie she wants to say, but no, I don't want to say it. I was just kidding. <laughs> what movie? Nope. <laughs> nope. It was she, just the first movie I saw. She literally held up the package of Sausage Party. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later, baby. Bye, Dad. Bye, Bye Olivia. Great hearing you. All right, there Bye. you go, an Olivia cameo. Very funny. Right. That's hilarious. I know. Teenagers. Yeah, shocking. Shocking. Seriously, 2009 uh, in Baltimore. Her, her cousin were watching the movie of Mamma Mia in my office after having seen the play that afternoon. Okay. And the movie is not a good movie. Really? Have you seen it? <laughs> No, no, uh, like beyond just the whatever, what it, it, it is. It's early. Filmed on location in Greece. I'm well aware. Go on. With beautiful people: Amanda Seyfried, Dominic Cooper, Meryl Streep, Pierce Brosnan. Yep. Like everyone is glowing and beautiful. It literally looks like it was filmed on someone's Samsung Galaxy yeah. One. Yeah. It is the worst cinematography I've ever seen in a major motion picture. And if there ever was a movie that should be glowing, it's that movie. Sure. Disgusting. Disgusting, I say. That's hilarious. We are all over the place. You are breaking the hearts of ABBA fans all over uh, the world. So anyway, my daughter, who is um, <laughs> eagerly waiting for her uh, just to get out of high school, she can go to film school, um, <laughs> just started laying into her cousin, who's the same age as her, who thinks it's the greatest movie ever made, about what's wrong with the movie. <laughs> What what was your tweet the other day that you were 20 minutes into it and you thought it was something else? Well, that's what I tweet because I, I was watching <laughs> Mamma Mia and Dominic Cooper is the male lead. He's the boy that she's marrying. Right. And he's young and hairless and like wearing like, like little shorts that they wear in Greece, you know? Sure. And he's singing and like, who is that guy? Like, he looks familiar. I'm like, oh my god, it's Tony Stark. It's it's Howard Stark. It's Howard yes. Stark. Yes, of course. It's Howard Stark. And then and then, oh my god, it's the preacher. And then I said, how funny it is because he was literally like looking at Amanda's eyes and singing the most beautiful love song in her face. And uh, then I literally saw a tweet from Seth Rogen about the most violent image of preacher at the same time. So I tweeted, uh, I'm 20 minutes into Mamma Mia before I figured out it wasn't preacher. <laughs> It's like literally a joke I've been doing since Twitter was invented. Yikes. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. I, uh, I, I, I always forget that she was in Mamma Mia, Amanda Seyfried, because... Yeah. 
you know, yeah, she's she's great. And it's funny because, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like her singing in Ted, too. I like her version of Little Red Riding Hood. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, no, she's a hell of a singer. But, yeah, Mama Mia, woof. <laughs> no, the woof part really is um, Pierce Brosnan. He, in the last half of the movie, he starts every song. <laughs> and by saying he starts every song, I mean he destroys every song he starts. Yeah. It's the flattest, shittiest <laughs> voice. And you can hear that it's being electronically altered to be more pal- palatable. Auto tune. That's what fantastic. The fuck did it sound like to start with? <laughs> So yes, I haven't finished Iron Fist because I was um, watching Mamma Mia. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yikes! That's so goddamn yep. funny. That's All what right. parenting is. Well, lovely. Very good. Oh, Jesus. I saw Bunt. You don't even know what that is. Well, say and it again. Say it again. I saw an episode of Bunt, and then I saw Mamma Mia, and then I saw the next Avengers cartoon, and then everyone. Went to I don't know Bunt. What is Bunt? Bunt is a show on the Disney Channel. It's oh, okay. a spinoff of Jesse. But okay. the, the actress that played Jesse got a DUI, so she's no longer with the show. <laughs> now all the kids are seem to be perpetually at summer camp that's, in a show called Bunt. That's awesome. Jesus Christ. You're welcome. Oh, my. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and I've, I think I've said this before on a few shows. Man, Powerless, what a disappointment uh, on NBC. I have not seen even one second of it, so it, I cannot. It's, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Uh, Legion is great. Are you watching Legion? I have not. I, I heard it's great. I've not seen even. Uh, I just have literally just haven't had time. I've been uh, yeah working very like lot of writing time. Okay, so I'm, getting a lot, I'm getting a lot done, which is I think what people want to hear me saying. Anyway, I understand. So. Well, should we go around the horn? Has the first arc of Jessica finished? Is it issue seven? Yeah. Out or uh, yeah, the the new issue, the last issue was the the final issue. I, I do know that because. Um, um, that, 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 that first arc last issue is really when you hear from people, um, whether they like the story or not, <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, that, that went over very well. That's how I, I know that shit. Okay. Well, I'm only four issues in, but I like, I've enjoyed what I've read and I also really like, uh, I love the, the case itself that it's, you know, obviously some alternate universe that's clashing with the 616 in some way. Well, I've babbled about Mamma Mia, so I'm going to give you a scoopy scoop. So here's what here's what Jessica's going to be. Um, the next storyline, which has already been solicited, so people know, is um, the secrets of Maria Hill. Um, okay. Oh, cool. Maria is uh, no longer a running shield um, and has been pretty much abandoned by the intelligence community, and uh, she turns to Jessica Jones to uh, unravel what's happening. So I'm very excited about that because Maria is obviously a character I co-created and um, it's a great opportunity to dig deep into her. Um, uh, I, I just, we're, we're very into the storyline. It's really coming along. And it's really well drawn. And then, then the storyline after this uh, will be the return of the Purple Man. Oh, wow. Dun, what? Dun. Snap! Boom! <laughs> Well, wait on Maria Hill. Is that going to tie into Secret Invasion or Secret uh, uh, it, Empire? It, 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 it's all a fallout of what's going on in Secret Empire. Yeah, okay. but yeah, yeah. That's like, cool. the, like, 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 like a lot's going on with Shield in Secret Empire, course, and yeah. a lot's going yeah. on with Shield in a lot of my books. Yes. So yeah. um, Nick uh, offered, like, like uh, gave me this grand opportunity to really, really flip some tables in my books, which I'm really excited about. Like right now. 
Miles's father is uh, undercover as a shield agent. Yes. A uh, for Maria Hill. But what if Maria Hill's not there anymore? Then does anybody even know or care where he is? Yeah, is he out in the cold? Is, is he is kind the of? Deal, is, yeah, is the deal still going? And um, Riri Williams has an interesting relationship to Shield, and uh, so we're we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I saw her uh, being uh, recruited by Sharon. Yes, and, yeah, uh, yeah, that was fun. That w- that yeah. was good. I like that. I know. <laughs> now, in, in issue seven, we're gonna get a little more. And people people are very curious about that because uh, I got some comments about how. They thought Sharon was being too pro-shield. And I'm like, I don't think she's being too pro-shield. I think she dragged her ass halfway around the world to save this kid. When she got there, the kid gave her the business. Yeah. And she was like, you know. Hey, what the fuck? who you are, you're like, hey, come on, man. You know. <laughs> so uh, it's if someone comes up to get you a hamburger and you throw the hamburger on the ground and go, I hate hamburgers. You're going to react. <laughs> you know? So, um, but we're going to get, Sharon's going to be more in uh, um, uh, Iron Man. Uh, in the in the in the coming future. In fact, what I liked so much about the book, as I was writing, is I realized there were um, the only male character in Iron Man is the hologram of Tony Stark. Yeah, Tony's AI. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, and, and that was chilling at the end of uh, the recent issue of uh, his conclusion to Friday. Well, I guess we'll find out what that you. means. I was right. so excited. No one saw that coming, and I really thought it was. I thought I. I, I thought I um, may have telegraphed it down the street, um, but I guess I did not. So I was very, very happy about that. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and that that's <laughs> not – everyone just assumes we're going into Ultron territory. That's not necessarily what that means. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and yeah, well, I guess, you know, I'll, you tell your story and I'll, I won't <clears throat> hypothesize because it's – like my mother. All right. You go tell your story. <laughs> no. No. And honestly, I hope that – there will be more involvement with uh, AI Tony because um, – Oh, no, no. He's all over the place and he's going to be an infamous Iron Man too because what he's doing is what, what I'm fascinated by uh, and this goes back to even when I was studying for Age of Ultron is um, an artificial intelligence using the mannerisms of a human um, but – uh, the human brain is ego, and really part of what tam- tempers your ego is your body. Like, no one ever feels great about their body, right? Even right. if you're, like, in perfect shape. About, there's always, like, oh, the aches and pains. Like, there's sure. always something. You know, someone's always flared up, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it does affect the ego, right? So if you take the body away and you just have the ego with nothing – to temper it, what do you get? What's Tony Stark without a body? What what is that personality? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Well, that's cool. And I and I read on ICV two today the announcement about uh, the generations uh, stuff that's coming up in the summer. Yes. Yes. Now, yes is yes. that is that at the same time as Secret Empire, or is that uh... there is something in Secret Empire? that allows the generations one shots to happen. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm being, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say and it's not my story. So I want to be cool. Mm-hmm. But what it does allow is this, this um, conceit of miles meeting 15 year old Peter in a, in the Ditko years. Okay. Right? Or Riri meeting Tony at some point in his life that she would never have seen. 
Okay. You know, and we were okay. talking about perspective and, you know, experience. Miles and re it, like just for my books, it's very unique opportunity um, for our characters to learn something uh, about the legacy that they're embracing that they may not have been able to perceive without this experience. So it allows for very emotional storylines. Um, very excited about it. Honestly, I was like, so like this is the kind of thing I would love to do no matter what, and I'm very happy that this allows. But they're one shots. They're all one, yeah. They're all like annuals. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Okay, yeah. So look at this as like the Spider-Man annual and the Iron Man annual, you know. Okay, because yeah. I, you know, I I see the struggle for some readers that are like, you know, they miss the original characters, and you know, there are different iterations. Like you've got AI yeah. Tony Stark and Riri, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's it, there. I can appreciate. It seems to me as as a reader, I'm very happy to welcome the new legacy characters, but. It does seem like they're because of the length of storylines. It's like, all right, we're still waiting for you know Thor to come back. You know, I mean, Odin's son, and I know he's an unworthy Thor, and I, I've been reading what Jason's doing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. I, I appreciate I appreciate the legacy characters, but to the point where the exclusions and everybody is off the board, it kind of reminds me of DC around 2010 when James Robinson was going to do a Justice League book, and it's like. Well, you can't have Superman because Trzinski's got him walking across the country, and <laughs> Bruce Wayne is lost in time, and Wonder Woman's been de-aged, and uh, yeah, Trzinski dropped that story, and Phil Hester's trying to finish it. Uh, so no, you can't true? have them. You know that's what happened back then. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was ridiculous. Um, yeah, and it was just like okay, um, you know, again, I, I got no problem with you know Nightwing stepping up and Don Troy and you know whoever Dick Grayson or whatever, but uh, or rather uh, I forget, I think Monell was uh, stepping up for Superman or whatever. But it's like, right. we, we kind of miss the big guys. You know, we kind of miss no, no, those I guys as well. But, but, you know, they're, you know, it's circular, man. If you, if you had the same flavor every month, totally. in it, you'd be like, well, it's, it's always the big guys. It's never anybody else. I mean, I've been there, but that was the, that was the complaint. I remember during the heroic age, people yes. were like, you guys don't give any uh, time to Moon Knight or Squirrel Girl or blah blah blah, you know. So so there's a level where no matter what happens, there's just complaining, right? right. There's just someone's not happy. You just got to tell your stories, right? Right. But truthfully, these things are circular. It's a journey. So yes, Tony isn't on the board now, but will he find his way back on the board? Yeah, I, I guess. how 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 will he find his way back on the board? And will he get back on the board in time to stop? Uh, this artificial intelligence from, uh, you know, <laughs> I hear Skype with all his ex-girlfriends. This is all, uh, this is, you know, this is all, uh, this is all good stuff. I understand. Nope. I, yeah. hear you. I, I hear, listen, I hear what you're saying. But I know you it, do. No, I, I, I'm sure you hear I'll, it. I'll open my Tumblr and it'll be, um, <laughs> oh my God, you guys are just too much blue. And then the next one. Not enough blue. And you're like, are people fucking with? like you do. Sometimes you just feel like you're being fucked with, like you know. And, and also, I told you like sometimes they're all from different anonymous people, so it just looks like it's all from the same person called anonymous, and they're yeah. all over the place. <laughs> just all over the place. Well, and again, the problem too is you know you only have time for two story arcs a year and change, and you know things seem to move glacially slow. I mean, you know that's the or, thing. Or or they're moving with such richness. There's such richness to the story. 
that they're moving at the only pace they could possibly move to get all the flavor. I hope. Hey, I'm joking, but I'm kind of telling the truth. I, too. No, I, I honestly. I Would you want Jason to tell his Thor story any faster than the way he's telling it? Yes. <laughs> I disagree. That was a funny answer, but I disagree. I did walk right I into that. Jason. I knocked right on the door. No, I lo- honestly, and I love the idea of Jane Foster as Thor, and I and I like that the it it presents a different problem for for the Odin. I, first of all, I love saying the Odin son because that sounds so Dungeons and Dragons, and you know. And also, you refer to yourself as that during lovemaking. I, I, <laughs> yes, assuming. I believe the Odin son is about to. I, re- I believe, I'm release assuming Milonor or whatever, however you say Milonor or whatever. <laughs> the the Odin's boner. But uh, yeah, he's gone to the Odin direction. No, but it, but it, yeah, sometimes it is like, all right, let's you know, whatever. I mean, honestly, hey, Superior Spider-Man, very fun story. Dan did a great job. Very mm-hmm. interesting, really interesting perspective and stuff. And you can look back now and go, okay, yeah, that was a lot of fun and everything. But yeah, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, <laughs> roll call. Anyone? Anybody around? <laughs> and I love, well, I, that I love Secret Empire. I love very, it. very successful storyline. So, um, yeah. um, any, any, any of my other uh, coworkers you want to slam? <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, no. No, no, I'm just throwing it out there, man. Because like I said, you know, I love Old Man Logan. I hate Love when Throw some shade at uh, Sam Humphreys while we're at it. <laughs> I miss him. I miss him in the Marvel Universe. He's he over. actually had a lovely. He came up to Disney, and we we had a lovely Disney oh, time. Oh, that's together. nice. Very nice. Off the outside, love the Disneyland, so we we had a good time. They're very cool. That's cool. I haven't actually. Uh, shame listen, on my point is, listen. It's a, it's a it's a it's a soap opera. It's a to be continued soap sure, opera. Sure. The wheels continue to turn. Uh, for everything you're complaining about, I know thousands of people who are like, oh, my God, don't ever, ever bring Thor back. I only want Jane. <laughs> right? With every issue of oh, yeah. Williams, I get more and more. Uh, I wrote you six months ago to say don't bring Tony back. Now I'm saying uh, bring Tony back. Now I'm saying don't bring Tony back. So we will tell our stories. I'm we will be as honest and forthright with our stories as possible. And hopefully enough people will like them. That's all you can do. I understand. I understand. But I with you, like, yes. It, and but here's the other thing, too, is, you know, our, our culture is different. Like, anything's available. Like, whatever comic, whatever movie, whatever TV show, whatever you want, you can just have it, right? Yeah, so sure. So with that, with that comes, all right, you want to scratch your, your Tony Stark itch? It's not hard. True. And I, I doubt, outside of me... And Matt, and maybe David Michelini, that no one's read every single Iron Man <laughs> issue and miniseries and Unshot. Blah, blah, blah. That's true. That's very Nobody. true. That's true. There's some very good Fred Van Lenty miniseries over the years. Yes, which, there is. And I, Casey and, why, why did and I just say Albert it? Absolutely. And, yeah. And uh, so, Char- Charlie Houston and his yeah. brother or whatever. Perfect. Exactly. You know? And no? so, so I. Um, I, I say, yes, this is what's going on now. But if you need to scratch, like, listen, every once in a while, I want to hear some red-hot chili peppers. Sure. All right. I'm not going to get mad at uh, fucking Ed Sheeran for not sounding like him. You no, know? You're, no, you're right. Yeah. You know, honestly, yeah. I've been I've been reading with my Marvel Unlimited uh, Dan Slott She-Hulk, and it's been a, a lot of people. A lot of people digging on the Marvel Unlimited, too, which is a very funny thing from my perspective. I love it because it's really – it's for like for college students and fans on a limited income. Oh yeah, it's 
Oh, it's so great. And also for people like to binge, uh, which is such a unique experience for a writer. Uh, we've talked about this before. Like these, these things weren't created to be binged. So I'm relieved that they work. Oh, yeah. I mean, like it, it's a relief to me that they, they read so well. And I know they do because I hear from a lot of people. But it's very, very funny to get yelled at for things. For someone reading a Marvel Unlimited, something I did in New Avengers nine years ago is brand new to them. They actually don't know what day this came out, right? <laughs> yes. So I will get a, 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 a ferocious letter about something I did in issue 29 of New Avengers. And, you know, I don't know what, I, I don't remember. I, I don't know what to, I, I, they're not clear enough. Like, it doesn't say, oh my God, you made nice man gay, you son of a bitch. It, it's, it's not clear I'm hip. What, they're, what they're yelling at. So I find that very, oh my God, I can't believe you did that to Moon Dragon, you son of a bitch. I go, what did I do to Moon Dragon? <laughs> I'm sure I did something. I'm not saying I didn't do it. I'm saying, what was it? And then, yeah, it's funny. Ah, and, but it. it's just, and so, and then I'll get like, um, every week, like Marvel will put out a chunk. So I'll get mail about that chunk, and that chunk was actually eight months ago in my life. So sure. it's just okay. it's very, very unique bunch of – so you'll get mail from stuff that happened today, stuff that happened six months ago, stuff that happened six years ago. It's it's very, very unique experience. I can appreciate that. No, it's, and I'm and not it's, complaining. It's just <laughs> – No, I get it. I'll, I'll, tell you some other po- I'll tell you some other positive Marvel things that I'm reading that I'm liking. I love Zdarsky's uh, Star-Lord series. I said this online. I will say it um, here. Zdarsky's free comic book day of Spider-Man was so good. I was annoyed. Ah. He, he is maybe born to write Spider-Man and uh, it's quite a, it was quite good. So is I'm he writing Miles? I don't, don't want to oversell because it's, uh, you know, but it was very, very good. Is he writing? He has, Pete? A, he has a new Spider-Man series called Spectacular Spider-Man. Okay. Is it Peter though? Or is it Miles? Or we're not saying it's Peter. Oh, it is Peter. Okay, cool. Uh, you, you, it's like it's like one of those Lego minifigs you buy. You just have to open it and find out what Spider-Man it is. <laughs> that's cool. No, that's good. That's not a bad idea. I'm going to pitch that, by the way. <laughs> Defenders. See the Defenders. I'm, I'm not going to tell you. You have to buy it. <laughs> did you uh, Did you see Lego Batman, speaking of Lego? I did. I, me and my son went to see Lego Batman. I quite liked it. I liked it more than I think most people did. I liked it a lot as well. I thought it was I thought it was, I thought it was very, very clever in places it didn't need to be. Yep, and uh, I thought it was as funny as the original Lego Movie. I kept, people kept saying it's not as good as the Lego Movie. And I actually thought it was. Yeah, I did too. And and I'll be honest, I've liked the direct-to-video Lego uh, joke movies as well. I mean, I just think that they've got a patter to them, and I uh, I've seen more DC ones than I've seen Marvel or Star Wars ones. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I like them. I think it's I, um, I, I think it works. I thought the fact that Ray Fiennes was in the cast. <laughs> Yet they had Eddie Izzard doing the voice of Voldemort was hilarious. Even that, that's a hilarious. Like that's why true. he's right there. <laughs> that's true. I didn't even think of Eddie Izzard imitating him. This is brilliant. I just thought the whole movie was funny. And if they, they kept cutting away to the sixties Batman TV show, oh yeah, I just, everything was funny. It was just yeah. funny. And just... and it's the thing that we complain about about the the Zack Snyder movies is that the, the, they're not filled with a sense of reverence or a self, fun. you know, are fun. And I yeah. thought this was the most fun superhero thing I'd seen in a very long time. Yeah. And I was completely charmed and, and delighted by it. And what's funny is that this is how my son has been introduced to Batman. 
So he thinks Batman's hilarious. <laughs> Batman is just a Batman to my son is the tick. Yeah, sure. That's so it's good. very funny when he sees little hints or little glimpses of serious Batman. He goes, what's wrong with Batman? <laughs> so he saw the trailer to um, Justice League. He has not seen Batman versus Superman because they will call child services if I show it to him. Yeah, I would agree. And um, <laughs> he saw, and his first time he's seen like a Batman, and he went, oh, "What's wrong with Batman? He's so he's so angry." There you so go. They, I said, "Well, they murdered his parents." What's yeah. that? They murdered his parents. And here's the other funny thing <laughs> about Batman is um, it might have been McDonald's. I don't know where we got it, but there was like a little Batman minifigure. No, it was one of those little Lego minifigures you buy, right? Okay. And, it, and what they do is, even for Marvel does it too, like you, you open up, you don't know what the hero is until you open it up. So you could get in Batman or you could be getting Killer Croc. You don't know what you're getting, <laughs> right? So with the Lego store at, at Disney, uh, downtown Disney, uh, to get him a couple little Batman Lego little figures, sure. there were adults mothers and fathers at the packages feeling the packages to feel if they can feel pointy ears in the package. <laughs> so, awesome. um, yeah, so I, I, I got him some, uh, some little Lego minifigs. I forgot what the point of that story was. I'm sorry. No, we were just talking about Lego Batman and there were just the Lego movies and how funny they are. And, and that there's yeah. a lightness to those compared contrasting to Zack Snyder's, yeah, and in general, I think what what um, the comic industry needs to be um, uh, projecting out more is hope and fun. Agreed. Uh, and not fun like silliness, but just genuine, this is a fun place to be, because it is. And um, uh, that that is what I'm uh, attempting to project in particularly my books, particularly Miles and Riri. I mean, Jessica's going to be you know, which Jessica is, but but uh, these characters should be enjoying their lives, and even when shit hits the fan, it should be, you know, really captivating. So, very cool. Well, back to yeah. the defenders. I I, yeah. I, I, we didn't talk about you know you coming back to Daredevil. Yes, and obviously you did say that you and Charles are kind of in sync in terms of I'm assuming Charles what you and I are very. Charles has been very open and gracious and, and, and welcoming. His plans are very concrete. Uh, so I like when I was writing Avengers, I, to every, with every ounce of my body, I try to do everything I can to make sure that I do nothing that screws up the solo titles. Like let the solo titles generate their story and then I'll deal with it because I think in real life, that's how it would be for a team. Sure. You know what I mean? So like, so when I hear old stories of older creators being on Avengers or X-Men and then bullying the solo titles and like taking all the interesting things away from the solo titles and putting them in the team book, I, I think it's a huge mistake. I think all the, like, every, like, like David's Luke Cage should be amazing. Ed's Iron Fist should be amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then bring, then bring all the amazing into the book. Right. So I'm that philosophy held me very well in both Avengers and Guardians and X Men. So I'm I'm going to do it here as as well. I, I and and in this instance, it just so happens that Charles has got a really good handle on what to do with Daredevil and a really a, a real an original story too. Yep. And um, 
and um, same with uh, David and Ed on their books. So no, no question, I, I so and, and what it really it's almost like a little bit of a cheat for me because I get to then express those interesting things in my book, and some people think I thought of them. <laughs> <laughs> No, but 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 truthfully, what 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 everyone involved in these books loves these characters truly. But because Guardians and Avengers have been so at the forefront of the, the cinematic universe, there's been a, so much attention sure. to those level of books. Whereas the Netflix shows have been so well received and so popular. I mean, I can't believe. I, I don't know. Who knows what the numbers really are, but it's it's crazy. Well, I read I mean, numbers, and I and I mean, it's you don't know if they're real. You really don't know because I I, yeah, I must me. say I read them too, and I and I tend to like believe everything I read until I realize no. Well, but half the things I read about things I know about I know aren't true. So why are you <laughs> believing everything you read? But no, look, I'll read the, the sales chart. Well, I, I know that's not true, so I'm just you know. So none of these other numbers could be true. So same thing with that. If if. And also this thing that Netflix does, which I think is brilliant, and it's how I would run my business, which is, oh, you want to know our numbers? None of your damn business. That's your yeah, number. That's so, so yeah, it's, it's literally no one's business. Literally. No, you know, I, I don't know how it's happening in every separate uh, broadcasting market, ter- terrestrial broadcasting, but that information is becoming more privileged. And the radio, the broadcast critics in town, they used to have access to a lot of numbers – not so, ratings they still have, but they also used to have access to billing. And one radio group protested and yeah, said, we don't, that, we don't yeah, want those numbers the, out there anymore. And they've now disappeared. And this is the first year where we're not getting those numbers. I, I Listen, I, I see both sides, of course, but sure. I agree with it as well. If I was running a business, like even like when I was a kid, did I know how much anything I was buying sold? Like to me, Marvel 2-in-1 was the best-selling comic in the world because it was my favorite. Nick, right? Nick, yeah, yeah, go on. Who gives a shit, well, right? The only thing is, and, and I'll point to the music business as an example of this, you know, before Napster, they were getting, record companies were getting really cute with Y'all really that, expensive, no, this, really expensive products yes. that became obsolete very quickly. Yes. And that's why, no, but, you know. But, but, but here, here for, for us, it's like, if the book is successful, then they will continue to make it. If it's not, they'll stop. Sure. Other than that, what what difference does it make? Well, so then by by putting that chart out, you're now uh, inciting um, uh, behavior to to bloat that chart. You know, from all companies. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like fighting to get into Loot Crate or fighting to to, right. to you know to to somehow. And I, you know, I've done it too with varying covers or Mishagas or sure, discounts. Sure. Get that book in the top 10. Because if you're not in the top 10, you don't exist in this weird, weird world we live in, which I don't agree with. It's just that's the way we're, we're always seeing things. Well, the only, just the only, the top 10. The only, the only populist thing that I want to see happen is um, really these number ones over and over again. It does get confusing, and especially for the newer series. I mean, I know it people does. that were, you know that you know that there were people that that wanted to read Spider Gwen, and don't know where to start because of the Fakakta numbers. I mean, it's it's insane. Well, it, it is and it isn't. I, I I have I have contradictory information on this okay. as well. Like uh, we older uh, people who you know like like you don't think that I want my books to say like I'm on Spider Man two 
39 or whatever really I'm I'm on. You don't think I wanted to say that? I'm very proud of that number. I understand. But but that number can also for the 16 year old kid coming to the store, that number is like a pass. Well, but are, with, again, oh, so I'm 239 chapters into this story that I missed. Well, yeah, and but it, there's a solution. There's an obvious solution, and Dark Horse does it, and that is, you know, uh, you know, Spider Spider Man: The Return of Gwen Stacy, one through six. The next one, Spider Man: The Attack of the Lizard, yeah, one through six. We've done that too. We've done that too. Well, but that's kind of what they should do to at least clarify on the collected library shelves. What the fuck is going on, and what to read, and in what order? And I, you know, I mean, hey, man, your own company put out that thing. I don't know if it was retailers only to kind of explain. Okay, this is what's been going on. This is, you know, this is the path. Oh, they, of- yeah, they do that every year. That's not. That's not a. Oh my god, the market's confused. There's always a primer. There's okay. all, all. Well, you're right. There was Marvel I, Age I, I and other primers. That's that true. Spider Man on the cover. Say it again. From the ultimate when the Ultimate Universe came out. And everyone was like, I don't understand. How is there two Spider-Man? <laughs> you know, there, there's always. Sure. And usually around an event, that's when you usually got to put the ducks in a row and show everyone how they're in a row. So, but it, but it's actually a good place to do that. And also, I'm going to tell you, it's also good when the company does that because it forces them to organize themselves and sure. cut the fat off. Sure. So when they're doing that book or that list, they're also looking at the list and sure. going, all right, what, what's working? What's not working? So, okay. I, I, again, you're, you're, I kind of agree with you more than it sounds like I do, but I'm taking a devil's advocate position because I see both sides, okay. and you clearly don't. No, so, no, no. I'm <laughs> no, joking. You, I know you do. So, I know you are. No, but uh, honestly, I also know that there's obvious. You know, there's probably obvious inside publishing information that you have that I don't. That you know, might... no, there 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 are audiences that the number one is very enticing and number one hundred nine is not. It just it just really I, hilariously until they become diehard fans and then they're immediately annoyed by the number. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you <laughs> know, the number is what got them here. So it's just a very funny um, uh, dynamic. But listen, and this is another thing: like the market will dictate if these things aren't working. They, the the market says, and then and then all the companies course correct. I hear all you. Of them. No, you're right. Oh, oh, you know, are we putting out too many books? Are we putting out too few books? Are we double shipping too many? Are we double shipping not enough? You know, and um, some retailers tell Marvel and DC and Image uh, one thing and then order completely different than what they say. This this is always a fascinating thing that happens. Like a retailer will come right up and say, you have to do this, 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 and this. And then you look at their order form and they don't do anything that they talk about. Interesting. So it's, it's a, it's a, um, how these things are sold is my least favorite part of the business. Um, sure. uh, how they're made is my favorite and how they're consumed is my second favorite. Um, I, I it, you know, I always, I, I love to run online and tell people like, I'm, I'm so aw- surrounded by such passionate creators all the time that I, I thought as a fan, you'd like to know that everyone who makes these really, really loves them. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's, you don't get that with everything. True. Like I worked in television and movies. Not everybody loves it. They're they're there. They're just doing a job, and that's okay. But in comics, the the level of people who are there for passion is immensely high. So you know, uh, I, I keep hoping that the, the the market will course correct itself into an entirely different business model. <laughs> <laughs> like I would like to see the format, the 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 standard format change. I would like to see 
In what way? More pages? Um, page count, price yeah. could be different, could be better. Yeah. Sad thing is that's where retailers really, really control um, more than um, you think. They order they they order pretty they they order the standard pretty strongly and anything that veers off the standard things get they start to contemplate it and order and order more carefully which i completely understand because everything's returnable so or non returnable right non returnable yeah. I, I mean non returnable yeah like so they would order differently if things were returnable so um all this way out of my hands i know some people think oh, i'm sure the most powerful person on the, on the planet. No, no. I, I make a phone call. I can change all this. That is not true. <laughs> no, I get it. And I, but, and I, and I usually, is, you know, I buck this, I, I try to talk to Axel and say, you know, if I think something's like, I don't know. Man. Well, it's not Axel either. Axel is an editorial. That's true. He, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't form the business. Well, Dan, you know? Dan very politely said, I can't talk to you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, it's too bad. He's so fascinated. He's a Dan genius. Humphrey. You talking about Dan Buckley? Yeah, and I've said this before. Uh, I'm, our sorry, conversation. I'm sorry, I turned you down because that. Yeah, no, and honestly, he, he was you two would be a great it. conversation. Yeah, he's a genius. No, and I and honestly, uh, really, people should seek him out when he does come to cons, and he is hit with a direct readership question of why are these books so expensive or why is everything following an event and you know just everything. He he will give you a very cogent. You understand where he's coming from. You may not agree oh, with absolutely. it. Absolutely. My you, favorite yes. part of the Marvel retreats is that part I told you before. It's called the State of the State. Yes. Where they pretty much pull the curtain back and show us who bought what and where from and how and trends and who's doing what and what, blah, blah, blah. And these are the hard numbers that you guys never see. You talk about the Amazon numbers, the Barnes & Noble numbers. You know, like, yes. like these are the numbers, right? And – um, without seeing these numbers, people who just like as a hobbyist just look at whatever's online and make their comments about it. If you saw these other pie charts, you'd be like, "Oh, why, why am I even commenting on this diamond chart? It's like it's like you know a fifth of the whole thing." You right. Know? Right. So, um, so when we go through there, that's really when you get to really talk to Dan and David Gabriel about about the the business and and how it's. Yeah how it's unfolding and, and what's working, what's not. And it is, I would, I would pay money to, for this. I love it so much. No, honestly, I, I That's when you really get to talk to Dan and find out how Dan works. And then, and then things that people online particularly would be like, why do they do events or why do they number these things? And then you, you hear the very cogent, thoughtful business reasons. And you're like, all right, I, you know, I'm inarguable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I understand. No, I'm not, and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the uh, cachet that Milton Grape gets on uh, ICV too, because he seems like he's the only one who gets these conversations at that level. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. Now the the, the thing I, I worry about in in our um, uh, and I worry about it. I think to the betterment of my work it has been that um, you know for years, and we talked about this. Everyone was worried that oh, comics are going to be destroyed by the games, and that never happened. Yeah, right. that's true. Um, yes. But um, what what I am concerned about in a different way is how many – there are so many comic book television shows. Um, again, and I, I, and I want to make it clear. I know I just sounded like I was complaining about an industry that I've done very well in. I'm not. I'm concerned about it, and I wanted to voice that. I hope that's clear. 
I'm not complaining. I'm worried. And I'm worried that, and again, I know I'm contributing to this with Jessica Jones and Powers and other things, so I should um, make that clear that I understand that. Um, but um, I'm worried that there's so many TV shows that it's taken away from the urgency of needing to read comics all the time. And that's a, that's a concern. There's literally dozens of them now. You can open up a TV guide and it literally looks like the order form of Diamond. Yeah, you're right. You know, you got Supergirl, I, Zombie, Walking Dead, you the know, strain. Netflix, Agent of Shield, the, and even things that are, that are not based that are not based on source material, but but are clearly you know like powerless. Sure. You know, part, and it could be a that could be a title, Riverdale. You know, these things are all comic books. Oh, totally, right? absolutely. And it's a lot. I mean, well, I just yes. said a, you're, you're you're adding them up in your head right now. Yeah, and you go, holy shit! And then next year we're getting Black Lightning, and you know we're getting yeah. the next one's getting a show. So, and and some of them are outstanding, uh, and I and I worry that. So, what is comics? Have? So, if there's a weekly fix of Supergirl on television, what, what is what is the comic book equivalent going to offer? Right, and and that that is a unique thing that is very that that in my mind is closer to trouble for comics than games maybe ever were. I mean, the idea was that you were worried about games like, oh my God, why would you ever want to read Spider-Man when you could be Spider-Man, right? Yep. yep. And then you're like, well, it ends up that you needed to read Spider-Man to know how to be Spider-Man. So that worked <laughs> out. Whereas in here, in, and by the way, not just the TV shows, now that, you know, there's a movie every couple of months. Sure. It used to be every six months. Sure. Now there's a superhero movie, and then they just announced, you know, there's a bunch of Spider-Man universe movies and Batman universe movies, and yep. there's just going to be a lot coming. And, uh, you know, we're really going to have to make sure that our product is exceptional and forward-thinking. And, you know, I'm not saying it's over at all. Oh, it's no. Not, no, they I need understand. It. No, all things this are going to have to change. Without us, it all falls apart. Agreed. You know, we are, we are a constant generator of ideas and story and uh, IP for the most unsexy word in the world. Yes. And, um, and I, uh, but, but I think that if the comic industry doesn't pay attention to what it's done to itself and we've done it to ourselves, that, that, that we might be in for, uh, for a harsh awakening. But I think that if you do pay attention, it's very clear what we can offer and what we need to offer. So, uh, that's where I'm at right now. That's what I've been thinking about. I hear you, man, and I and I think you're right, and I think that the monthly format is something that you know, or the standard format, I guess, being yeah. monthly. Yeah, that that's well, no, the standard's coming more biweekly, anyhow. So, yeah, Which I suppose is, it's part of it that you have to you have to start you know you have to start you have, you have to start making more you have to start with spinning your wheels, as you said, you like you want the stories to end faster. You know, you want you want them to wrap up faster so you can keep moving and and. Uh, that that will be happening when books start being more bi-monthly. Okay, and I I guess to facilitate that, I mean, you, and you guys are already doing it. Um, you know, you've got alternate uh, art teams working around the same time. I know that's a strain on some writers to think about. You know, two arcs simultaneously. Oh yeah, it's, it's very very difficult. Yeah, it is. so it, so it, it, it's a hard. It's it's something I have a I I, I have sometimes have trouble with because I like to write straight through. Sure. With a plan, you know, and like something can reveal itself in issue four, 
but I already wrote issue seven and I didn't know issue four was going to reveal this to me. And now I have to, you know what I mean? So, totally. so I like, so writing an order is better for me. No, I understand. And, and really the other thing, and I, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I know you've, you've seen, uh, the, the, the civil war two, uh, outcome or at least reaction to it. Once it finished the, 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 the need for the other books, to come out sometimes before the event ends. And I know that David had his, you know, his, his kid's birth in the middle of the, of the, of the, you know, run and everything. And I know that's what made it late, but it did take the, a lot of the emotional punch out of your story. Some of the conclusions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I know. and, and it's too bad. And I don't know. I mean, what I would ask is, is it economically infeasible for Marvel to hold on champions and some of these other books that come out of the event and say, you know, yeah, we wanted it to start September 1st, but Civil War isn't done yet, so we really should wait. I know they did that with 10 years ago for the original event, and again, it was mid-event, so it was harder, and they held a, a few books back because of different reveals. And, stuff. Well, and we wrote a shitload of, in books in the middle that weren't initially the plan. Right, that's right, I so, forgot about people, that. That's people right. forget about that, but there was Frontline. like... Frontline... Forget not just frontline, but there were like extra issues of a lot of books that got produced um, while McNiven um, was so, but, yeah. yeah. Okay. It wasn't just McNiven. Mark was sick at the time as well. Oh, that's right. Mark had Crohn's. I Mark, forgot about that. Mark, yeah. Mark Mark was ill. So yeah, yeah. It, it's always understandable. But that's the know? thing. Yeah, these are totally human. Uh, that's really, and you know, I understand. I like you both, and I mean, that's a that thing, even but... like, and it wasn't even like David. Like David hasn't missed since you broke into comics. There you he go. Hasn't fucking missed. And that's one of the reasons they wanted us. We never right. miss. Right. Great. And After life Secret happens. War, <laughs> Brian and David, they won't miss. And then, of course, the one time we miss. Yeah. And like, and like in, on Defenders, right on schedule. We're, we're perfect. Okay. We're that's cool. Yeah, no problems at all. Baby's born. Baby's fine. Everyone's going to go. <laughs> did, did, you know, here's something, because it, it, honestly, somebody suggested this to me, and I thought that was really interesting, mm. um, that would... And just upon reflection, because you wrote your story, and that's and I get it. And uh, some people question Carol's motivations in the story. Would it have made? Had it ever occurred to you, as opposed to having Tony and Carol debate about this, that maybe because Carol is kind of a newer, you know, front cent, front line kind of hero. Um, in the same way that DC with Blackest Night, Batman and Superman took a backseat in that event. And it really was more about uh, Hal and, and Barry Allen. And they were the, you know, they were kind of the main heroes of that. Would it have made it point-counterpoint better or different if Sam Wilson was on one side and Carol was on the other? Or uh, we, we, Not Sam. It was always Tony and. It was. I'll, I'll be okay. honest with you. It was okay. always Tony and not Cap. And it literally became Carol and two other people, and Carol was by far the most fascinating, right? Okay. Because Carol yeah. had never been pushed. True. Right? Yeah, sure, no, this is right. her front and center. She's yeah. military. Yes. She's being pushed, and she's right. right? At least as far as she's concerned, right? right? No, absolutely. 100% right, and, and she's very self-aware that Tony won't back down. Right. Right. So like she's very aware of what, what she's walking into. I, I, I must say, and I, and I know that um, 
And Carol's an, uh, one of those characters that, like, people who love her love her and don't want anything bad to happen to right, her. Right, like we were talking but about Angela love- earlier. Absolutely, yes. yes. But you love her because she will persevere from this. Right. And because of other stories, we know she may be changed and different and be, be you know, like, she will learn from it, right? I hear so, you. So, um, um, I knew because I knew because from the first Civil War and just the nature of storytelling that if both characters are leads and both characters are right, that half the people are going to be upset, right? That's just that's just sure. no, right. Sure. It happened with Cap and Tony, right? And Tony took the things that Tony we were able to say because people were screaming, "Oh, you ruined Tony Stark! You ruined him forever with the first Civil War! You yep. ruined him forever! He will never be fixed!" Yep. And then you can go, "Is Tony fine? Then <laughs> yeah. Carol will be fine. Let her have." A crisis. Agreed. Yeah. I, 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 what, I said, what did she do that was out of character? Did she stand up for herself? Yes. Did she back down? No. Is that Carol's character? Yes. There you go. It just what? But was it was it hard to watch her do that with friends? Absolutely. Right. That's why you want to tell the story because how much do you believe what you believe? I'm with you. No, so I agree. That, so, so I so so I I. I Said online, I'll, I'll say here. I knew from the minute that, that we wrote that, that I typed in Carol Danvers, and then it got like stamped approval. This, this, this is the argument that will happen, and I'll be the asshole to some people. And then what I liked was that how issue to issue the opinion would change, and that was that was something I wanted to try that that Mark didn't get a chance to try in the first one, which is. We'll set the table and then we'll keep turning the screws. We'll keep doing something that makes you, if you thought you were on Tony's side by issue one, will you still be on his side by issue seven? So people like to pick their side and say, that's it, I'm on my side. And then I'm going to go, all right, that's your side. Is it your side now? How is it? Is it your side if I kill Bruce Banner? Is it your side if I, you know, so I, you know, and I like that. But I knew by doing that, I'm, I'm, dramatically if i may be a, a teacher <laughs> i'm dramatically creating an adversarial position with you the reader sure. i'm i'm forcing you to fight back yes it's interesting to me now i now it's hard to tell people because you're basically saying no i'm fucking with you on purpose because <laughs> i am interested in telling that story yes. no one wants to be no you don't want you to come up to the gum they go, you know, you're fucking with me, and you don't want them to go. I know. <laughs> you want them to say, I'm sorry, but the, the real answer is, I, I know. Right. No, absolutely. Okay. But I knew, and I know, like even Margaret, like Margaret Stahl, like hates what I did with Carol, and uh, uh, but but the, but then I could see was happy I did it because then she got to do what she wanted to do. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's, it's all that. So there you go. No, no. And I, and and I, I may be overstating. I, she didn't say she hated it. I, that's, that's, I shouldn't say that. That's, that's, uh, putting words in her mouth. She never said. Okay. All right. And, she, and I like Margaret a lot. So I don't want to, I don't want to position her that way. That's no, that's fair. cool. And I, and no, I agree with you. I think that, um, because of what everyone has done since Kelly Sue started and everything, uh, making Captain Marvel what she is and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think I mm-hmm. get it. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we're we're still digging the hero part. Let her yeah, let her keep yeah. winning. We want her to keep winning. And it's like, no, but heroes have to stumble because that's what makes them, you know, find that intestinal fortitude it's, to, yeah, to it's continue not, and it's, persevere. It's not, how, it's not if they're going to lose; it's how they lose and how they pick themselves up. Yes, and she and she hasn't had 
like Spider-Man and Daredevil have had the quintessential stories of that, right? Totally. She never has, and that's not fair. And then I and the, then I start thinking, well, that, I think that's a little sexist. I do. I think if um, a bunch of writers are not putting her through her paces like all the other characters are, then we're writing teddy bears. Yeah. No, I then agree. Then we're writing um, – uh, you know, and, and and I get the instinct because you're like, you know, things are shitty, so you want them to not be shitty here, right? Right, right. it's escapism. Sure, I get it, I get it, I get it. But 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 and and there will be plenty of books that do do that. I just I'm just not going to be that guy. I'm well, just not. Yeah, I get not, it. I, I did, and and it was so funny because I just did something so horrible to Miles in the next issue of Spider Man. <laughs> so horrible. And I want to point it up so when anyone else complains about Angela or, or Carol or whatever, whatever thing you think I did to your baby, well, it's my baby. And I just messed them up good. Well, you I, know, I know I do think of that because I do. I think that's the danger we're in with the new characters is that we're not putting them through the gauntlet that Stanley put the originals through. That's cool. Hey, and it's in you, my opinion, I could be totally wrong. Well, I'll tell you another book that we haven't talked about that I have been enjoying since issue one. And that's infamous Iron Man. Thank you. I, I, oh, yeah. I mean, honestly. And there, and by the way, for people who are like, man, I, you know, uh, I'd like to see some characters, you know, it's interesting to see Doom post Secret Wars with a nice clean face be the Doom that he is now. And also, I haven't read, has the new issue come out yet uh, where Doom's mom is, you know, apparently conspiring with Reed? Yes. I actually don't know what shipped yet. I'm like five issues ahead of you guys. Of course so. you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will tell you though, but knowing that I, I'm I have a very good good handle on this storyline and uh, um, talk about things that you've always wanted to do, like a bucket list. There was like was the um, uh, villain who decides to then crawl out of the hole that they created for themselves, and who has a bigger hole than Victor? <laughs> like like I've, I've done littler versions of this story before. I've done the powers and June and Jessica because I am fascinated by like. How badly could you fuck up your life and how long would it take to crawl out uh, of like, how, how, how can you put it all back together? And I, and I originally had this idea as someone was uh, presenting me with a, uh, an idea for a console game years ago. And it would be like, uh, not unlike Grand Theft Auto where, where um, if you keep fucking up enough, the police start showing up, right? The, the game starts to attack you. Okay. Right. And I wanted, wouldn't it be great if there was a superhero game like that where, where um, if you behave, the game likes you. If you misbehave, the game hates you. And you could, like, be the hero and then fall all the way down to be a mass murderer. And then the game's treating you like a mass murderer. And then one day, like, three years later, you could just decide, nope, he's going to be – you could crawl – how long would it take to get that character back up into the good graces of the, of the game, right? <laughs> so that, the, so the, that idea has been with me for a long time. And I know there are games like that now, but at the time there, there, there wasn't. And okay. the, so the idea that I could take Victor after the biggest disgusting thing he's ever done and then write a book where you empathize with him was just overwhelmingly tantalizing. <laughs> uh, it also uh, speaks to Alex's voice uh, um, uh, so well because Victor is so Alex. They're the same person. So, um, and I, only in the sense that they're both, um, they both. European. They're European and they're very sure, very sure that the most beautiful person that I ever walked in with. But, um, the, the, uh, 
the, the truth is that I, I, I feel Alex's connection to him. Interesting. Uh, on the Very pages, I will feel it as well. And um, with and then and then what happened was so so I had forgotten this this pitch about the the world reacting to the villain, right? Uh, instead, I so so I was just focused on the villain deciding to 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 fix every mistake they ever made, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then as I was writing, the Marvel universe literally started reacting to his existence, much like a game would. Cool. Like without without me even deciding, all the villains in the Marvel universe are like, uh uh-uh, uh, no way. Like that's the most scariest thing. It's like someone turning state's evidence. Like that guy knows where all the bodies are buried. Right. You know. And and then there's and then I have a good Victor, and then there's an evil Reed, and then there's his mother, and then there's Tony, and then there's Riri. This is it's too good. It's so much fun to write. That's cool. Yeah, it's 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 balancing them all together. And uh, I just wrote a scene with uh, evil Reed, uh, the Maker. I should call him the Maker. And okay, so uh, it is Ultimate Reed, obviously. Maybe. Okay. Oh well, that's true. The Maker. I guess I, I suppose the way Secret Wars ended, you could. Referred to Reed as the maker, given what he's doing at the end of the book, and um, and uh, yeah, and and uh, the the writing between Ben and uh, Reed, and also just wrote a uh, oh, that's that'll be fun to read, absolutely. Flashback: I wrote a college scene between Victor Reed and Ben that was a lot of fun to write, and could have taken up a whole issue if I um, had the space. That's Absolutely a- loved writing it, and I did. I, I, I every issue, and and it is hitting Tom Brevoort in his soft spots because he loves the Fantastic Four sure. so much. Uh, but I literally keep handing him these scripts where like a Valentine to the Fantastic Four, uh, and he and and, and I finally write. I it, I know this looks like I'm auditioning for a book you don't publish, but <laughs> <laughs> I just really was I'm feeling because you should see like literally the book opens up with the most loving flashback. To a book that this isn't. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm. I'm, I'm when is that? The, 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 but the good news about the Doom story is that it has a beginning, middle, and end. Okay. Um, the end. Uh, the people who know it are very happy about. So I'm very happy about that as well. I, I feel that the ending will land. Like I won't change it when I get there. Um, but but this is uh, one of um, the most. I, it's hard to describe why I love it so much, but it, it, this this one feels like only me and Alex could have done this. Like other people could have done it, but but this this one feels like it's us. I hear you. No, I, I mean, agree with that. Like yeah. this, this and Scarlet both feel like wow, this is really us at our best, and, I, and that's a, that's a very good feeling, um, particularly when 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 people feel so good about our, our previous work. You know, that's sometimes a double edged sword where people think so highly of something you've sure. done that they actually start remembering it wrong you know like there's that line in michael clayton um that um sydney pollock says about um and god forbid you uh you know like um george clooney's character wants to go back to being a lawyer yep and he goes god forbid you're not as good as you remember because i've seen that happen too yeah 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 so that's always that when you're constantly creating new stuff with someone and you've done something like daredevil that people are so nice about i I tend to like i I that's this is my the Jewish worry. Oh, you don't like it as much as you think you do. <laughs> this is better, but 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 truthfully, I, I I'm so so um, grateful. I, it is it is the book. Um, I think it's the least selling book of all my books, but it's the one that gets the most mail. Interesting. So, so it's um you know because for some people it's it's so funny because I think Riri like 
sells them like two to one. And, um, I, it's just that one, one, one is a villain book. It just is, you know, for some people it's a villain book, you know, they don't no, want to get it. Yeah. Throw, you know, well, so, but, 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 but I, I do think uh, it, it will, uh, when we touch the landing, I think people are going to, I think it'll, it'll have some legs. That's cool. Or not. Or well, not. Yeah, we'll see. I've thought that before and it wasn't true, so. Well, you know, I, well, like you said, we'll see. I, I will say the last word about this is I always love when it's Ben Richards versus, or Ben Grimm versus uh, Vic. Because, first yeah, of all, no, I, I love that he calls him Vic. I, lo- yeah. I can't wait to see this scene because it's true. It's like they both reveal their inner human selves of, Fuck you! I knew you when. I'm still not impressed with you, and that's essentially both guys to each other. And yeah, it's so and that, great. that's what the scene is about. Is um, it's based on stuff you've seen in the old Fantastic Four books. But uh, Victor is doing his research. Reed comes up and tries to engage him. Victor is a fucking asshole. Reed, so desperate to have a peer of his intellectual equal, <laughs> that he tries to like find his way in is still, you know, and then Ben just comes in and is like, Oh, you piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, like I like n- nothing. Right. And, uh, and then, and then when we see them today, uh, you know, uh, not only does Ben can't stand Victor and is never going to trust them ever, ever. Of course. Um, uh, Victor is wholly aware of this and, um, is in a way enjoying it because he thinks he can win Ben over. And if he can win Ben over, he can win anybody over. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, I mean, even even Grant Morrison in his uh, Fantastic Four miniseries, I forget who drew it. But, yeah, there was just that moment of, you know, Vic, I never liked you. And it's like. For sure. But, like, when you write them, you feel that. Like, you, like, Reed empathizes with right. uh, Victor. Yeah. Ben does not. Right. Ben does not. Ben's like, oh, boom, baby. Yeah, exactly. Boom, baby. Well, that's when that's when yeah. Ben becomes Ben, the the big man on campus jock again. Where it's like, yeah, fuck you, man. I didn't like you when you were a student. I certainly don't like you now. And yeah. nothing you do impresses nothing. me. And I'm trapped in this body, and you're trapped in that honor. We're still the same people. Fuck you. And yeah, it's and that, was, that was like my favorite line of that issue was when he wakes up and realizes Victor saved his life. Yes. And it, ah, shit. <laughs> How do I unpack that? So exactly. I, I thank you. And, and, um, yeah. no, totally. You know, you always, you always, um, you always fight for the little, for the little ones. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I really, we really love this book and we're going to get to finish it on our, on our, um, on, on on the way trips. we want to finish it. Okay, but, uh, but, uh, but I, I, I do, I'm so grateful for, for those who love it. And I, I just, I know that there's a lot of Daredevil fans that really, really dig it if they give it a shot. It's yeah. not what they think it is. It's basically. No, you know. you know, every time you and Alex get together, I loved Moon Knight. I liked your guys' run on Moon Knight for the same reasons. And, you. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Moon, Moon, Moon Knight was the one that um, it wasn't Daredevil, so go fuck yourself. As far as uh, the readership went? No, just general, like, opinion. I actually think Moon Knight's kind of a little better than some of our Daredevil stuff. But I liked, I, yeah, I liked, I liked Moon Knight. I, 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 will, I, I know saying that out loud makes people just roll their eyes, so fine, whatever, it doesn't matter. But, um, uh, it, 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 but, but, but just when you know, you know, you know how these things work in show business, right? Like, you're like, um, um, like Scorsese. If Scorsese just made Goodfellas every time, people are like, oh, stop it. <laughs> right. But now that he doesn't, so like, please go back to do that. That kind right, of thing. Right. Expectation versus, you know, whatever. So, 
Um, anyway, so I, I, I think I, I'm, I, I think Alex is doing amazing work, and I'm, I'm glad you're liking it. Oh, and nice. I think you'll enjoy the third act twists of which there are many. Excellent. Well, yeah. and also I, I, I've, a lot of leeway, I've, I've been given a lot of latitude on this, and I'm very, very uh, happy about it. I, I also like to Jessica Jones that she has the moment uh, talking to her client. It's like, how come we don't see the Fantastic Four anymore? Nobody talks about them anymore. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I always, it's funny because I always <laughs> – Jessica always had a lot of little meta commentary. Totally. Yes. But um, – it's all. It's weird because when I was first doing Jessica, I was meta commentarying other people's stuff, but half the stuff I'm meta commentarying is kind of my fault. So it's funny. Like I'm meta commentarying about um, like there's you'll see a lot of um, you know the the worlds all merge. There was a convergence. Yes. Well, that's uh, there's a lot to unpack there if you don't know about it. Right. <laughs> if you're just like a guy who works at a rookie company, and you were in the Ultimate Universe, and now you're not. That's, uh... Well, that's why that was really interesting in terms of, uh, and I'm gonna have to, I guess, get issues five and six to find out what happened to. Uh, uh, do we find out what happened to uh, this woman's husband who was married Absolutely. to Gwen Stacy? Okay. Yep, cool. You find that every yeah, and it, and it does. Uh, it's it, it's part of a bigger thing. Cool. To me, and and it being part of a bigger thing may not be readily apparent, but um, it's coming. It is, and I just thought I'd tell you if you care. It, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna. I, I'm a big fan of that. You know what well, I mean? Is, is that thread still hanging out there of future Tony during uh, New Avengers? You know, kind of saying we all fucked it up at this point, and certainly you've still got the damage of the original X Men still hanging out. I mean, I you, I tell you, my lapsed reader friends during, during generations is Riri Williams going to visit that Tony? Oh, nice. Wow. You think Tony Sorcerer Supreme is making a return? Hell yes. Wow. <laughs> my, it's maybe my favorite thing I've done at Marvel. Cool. No, no joke. Cool. But unfortunately. Yeah, why not ask me? I, I, every time someone tweets me about Iron Man Sorcerer Supreme. Future Tony. They're yeah. so happy. And it makes me so happy. And it's so stupid. And I'm so happy about it. <laughs> How many years ago was that? Now five, not too many. If uh, I no, I believe you know this is the opposite of um, thing. I, I stopped <laughs> writing Avengers in 2012. Oh, okay. And the uh, X Men annuals were only a couple years ago. So when you saw um, Iron Man from the future that you're talking about in the X Men, yeah, five uh, years ago. That was it. Was not even five years. Ago. It was oh, just okay. a couple. Yeah. Interesting. No, mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, that's going to be fun. And unfortunately, Ron Richards, no, we're still not going to know what uh, was in the closet when Hawkeye goes to visit. So funny, Star- I love him. I love him, and I and I and I don't know if this is true or not. So, and I, I don't know Ron at all. Ron works at Image now, and Ron's been hawking my chinik about what was in the closet during the Hawkeye Scarlet Witch issue of New Avengers from many years ago. Yeah, this is very inside baseball, indeed, for fans. <laughs> But there was a closet, and he knew if he opened the door, it would reveal something that he didn't want revealed, so he didn't open the door. So Ron wants to know what's behind the door. Um, I will not tell Ron what's behind the door. I believe Ron has created fake Twitter accounts to ask me in different <laughs> – like he's clearly never going to answer me. Maybe he'll answer egg <laughs> avatar 9727. <laughs> so I enjoy that. Yeah, so it yeah. seems as we're speaking, our, our beloved president is tweeting a bunch of crazy shit 
about Bill and Hillary. And as Kevin McGuire just tweeted, oh, something big is about to drop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're right about <laughs> He's that. He's tweeting so crazy. There might be indictments coming. <laughs> you know, it took. Why didn't they. He's blaming Bill and Hillary for Russia. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, God. And don't be freaked out if you see my newsletter. It comes out automatically. We usually at this point, like, it'll automatically pop up and you go, hey, you're doing oh, yeah, 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 what we're know, doing. I know. I know. I'm fascinated by your. Uh... <laughs> yeah. That's just, you know, that what that is, that paper LI. It's, it, I just pick a bunch of people to follow and their, their uh, links to various videos and articles and stuff show pop up. up. Yeah, show up in this newsletter. And it's cool. interesting, honestly. I'm very proud that – I mean I have nothing to do with it other than curating the people whose links I, I look forward to reading or watching. And that's what you get. And that's that's what makes up that uh, that newspaper. So, cool. yeah, it's fun. That's and, cool. Yeah. That's so, it, it looks good. It looks very nice. So oh, nice thank app. you. Well, it's again, it's it's that's just another widget, you know, through that paper. LI. I click on it when I see you talking to everybody else and not me and I miss you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, thanks, Mike. The uh, what, and, what did you have last week? Who did you um, interview last week? Marv Wolfman. No, Marv Wolfman. There was somebody. Oh, Tom T- Tom Taylor. Yeah, how'd that go? Great. Tom's awesome. I love that. Yeah, guy. I'm I'm very very fascinated by his work. He's tremendous. He's a he's a really great guy. Nicholas Scott, obviously fellow Aussie, introduced us and uh, at a few. Yeah, I met her. She was here in Portland for the summer. Yeah, yeah, we're good, Greg. Yes. So she would uh, she would uh, come by for the dinners. It was nice. Oh, that's I, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. It's like, uh, and it bums me out because of my current situation. I don't think I'll be going to that many out of town uh, conventions this year. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm missing summer camp. And, uh, ah, not really. I, I know, man. I, I, I guess I just look at it differently. I, oh, I mean, please. I get it. Conventions. I've never had a bad convention experience. You've, you've been there for a lot of them. I've been, yeah. I've had unbelievable yeah. convention experiences, but Hey, you know, you would talk to me anytime you want. I'm online. Oh, I know that. You I know, realize. and it's summertime. I like riding my bike, playing with the kids, you know, now, now that my oldest is a teenager, I'm like, well, I got to play with London. He's going to, you know, <laughs> Of like course. Olivia has a life, you know. She comes and she said hi to me. That was it. You just saw the total of our interaction today. <laughs> That's it for the day. <laughs> you know? But uh, no, she's got stuff though. She's got you know, she's got the week off school and she's got her friends. You know, of course. So of course. I so with uh, Tabitha in London, I'm like, oh, hang on to him. Exactly. No, I'm that's bad. good. That's good. I'm playing with the baby. Oh man, any good Star Wars uh, uh, updates from uh, London? Well, he's way more into superheroes right now. Interesting. Um, I I posted and I will. Um, plug my instagram i was in, in, a, in a because i truly think this is the greatest thing my family has ever done um part of our trip um marvel did set up some nice character meet and greets for us um and um, they knew london was going to be there so they actually went out of the way to make sure that we could meet um darth vader and chewbacca <laughs> chewbacca was so real and the star wars museum where this all takes place looks so much like star wars that I believe he was confused that we had <laughs> entered Star Wars. And also, we went on the Star Tours ride, and it's amazing. I know you've never been on it. It's amazing. Cool. Um, so when he met Chewbacca, Chewbacca was so real and fun with him that when they said, here, and in this room is Darth Vader, he was like, no. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. I, you know, he, he was like, I think that's really Darth Vader. And Darth Vader came out, and it was in character, perfect, never broke character, hilarious my kids busted his balls for 
an inordinate amount of time. <laughs> it was so much fun. So I posted on Instagram. It's in two parts. One of it is my darling Sabrina giving him the business, and then Olivia giving him the business. It's just beautiful. <laughs> so, so if you want to see Darth Vader being having their ball busted by a bunch of Bendises, I can't recommend my Instagram high enough. But yeah, so and then and then um, uh, we went and visited Spider Man and Captain America, and he also he completely froze, and uh, I took probably the greatest picture I've ever taken, which is I pretended Spider Man knocked me out on the <laughs> daily thing. That's excellent. And there you go. It was very nice. It was it was it was very sweet. But yeah, he's 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 into superheroes. He, you know what he loves? Tell me. I posted this. He loves Next Avengers. Olivia loved Next Avengers. You know, it, it is a good cartoon. It is a good cartoon. I, but it's so funny of all the things. The one that everyone I know gravitates to is that thing that I, I I'm like maybe we should bring these characters back. People I it was really fun like, when you did. Yeah. I yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't do much with them though. I, I no. maybe something more substantial to do with them. Sure. No, I think that's a. I agree. I, I encore. One of the encores has been showing. I think encore kids uh, huh. a lot in the last couple of months, and I found myself watching it again. And it, for the early animation, it really is like one of the better ones. Yeah, so. I, I I had nothing to do with it. I'm not plugging for Marvel. Chris I Yost, just, right? Didn't Chris Rose, yes, Yost it, write? Yes, it happened to catch Next Avengers. It's a little bit of a surprise, particularly for kids. Kids yeah. love it. Yeah. If you're looking to get your kids into superheroes, this is a good one. I know there's a lot of, a lot of parents trying to manipulate their children into liking what they like, uh, which I wholeheartedly agree with. I think <laughs> it's right as a parent to do. But uh, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll make up their own minds eventually. But for right now, I have a little friends that like what you like. Nothing wrong with that. For all the diapers you have to change, absolutely. <laughs> you're going to like my music. Well, that's what I was about to say to Olivia. I'm like, oh, I know, I know, Fractions got you covered on good classic rock. So. <laughs> I knew that. That's no, right. she, yeah. No, she's she switched the guitar. She's doing really, really good, man. I I just posted. Uh, she just led a chorus of uh, uh, everybody wants to rule the world. For I her. saw that. She that did was very really, good. Yeah, it was really sweet. Yeah, no, was, really good guitar playing. Now she's doing good. That's very cool. I love them all so much. They're all they're all they're all doing good. Anyway. Oh my God! Someone who's bragging about his children. What a shock! Yeah, a pod- yeah I know. bragging about their children. So yeah. So um, the good news is we're 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 out of the event where no one's ever happy with you. <laughs> but you know that going in, and um, doing Spider Man and Jessica and Iron Man and, and Defenders, and it feels really good. It, it, these are uh, this is uh, this is the good times. And for those asking, uh, we put a issue of Scarlet of uh, Powers to bed. Um, uh, last week. Oh, that's and, great. Um, and that we're going, I'm finishing off the third arc of Scarlet and we'll produce all of it together and then release all of it together. Um, because in, 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 though I feel horrible about the delays, um, we'll make it up to you in volume. Is, um, is there, more, has there been advance, uh, meant in, uh, the Cinemax, uh, Scarlet series? No. Um, this is, it, it, it's, it's, it's cooking. It, it takes a while. I, okay. I, I get, I get, you know, very Zen about this stuff. Sure. I have friends that don't have a day job that just sit here all day and panic. <laughs> no, cause it's what you would do. Of course. Like, like if you have a, like, like right now, I, there's a, there's a deal going on. I know this sounds like a high class problem. There's a deal going on. I would really like to do it. If I didn't have a job where I had to work all day, 
I would sit here and think about my deal all day that hasn't happened. And be panicking. Is it going to happen? And it's it's a ridiculous waste of time. So I'm very grateful that I have other things to do that I don't have to think about all day. I have a friend who's a screenwriter. And he said, this is, if you just sit there for weeks and wait for for someone to say something, it takes forever. The deals take forever. So I just uh, go about my day. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also I should mention, um, and you, so you said, obviously, as far as Scarlet goes, you guys are in production and when it's ready, then you will put it out. So that's good. Uh, now, Scarlet's brilliant. They're, they're all, and, and United States of Murder. I just wrote yes. a big United States of Murder. So um, Mike's going to get that in during his pockets during Cape Carson, which is a great gig for him. So I want him, uh, I, I, don't, I never would pull him away from that in, 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 in any way, shape or form. So, yeah. And then, and then, uh, on top of that, I have four new creator-owned projects with other people that we're so excited about. Written, being drawn. It's exciting. What are you but doing? I, I cannot put them out until Scarlet and Brilliant and Powers are um, finished to their to to a to a satisfactory point. Oh, okay. Okay. What are you doing? Aren't you doing something with Kevin McGuire? Or is that has that not been announced yet in terms of like specific things you guys are doing? Well no, uh, I, I mean for, you know, yeah. I've, Go ahead. First of all, he's part of the um, Guardians of the Galaxy finale. Um, okay. That we just. Oh, by the way, wait to see the lineup of this 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 humdinger. This is a this is good. <laughs> Art Adams, uh, Kevin McGuire, the um, Sarah, um, just everybody in it. Just uh, Ed McGinnis, Mark Bagley. Cool. Every single page is phenomenal. That's it's awesome. Really, it's it's that old school jam I'm always trying to chase. The yeah. uh, League Two Hundred. Um, that I'm trying to produce in my head. <laughs> so um, they, they, it's it's really something. Jordan uh, really went obviously to make sure it was special. Um, and, and so yeah, so me and me and him are cooking a couple things. Okay. We have to have uh, a few ideas. Cool. Uh, uh, and and we'll, we'll see what sticks. There was one idea um, that he that I, I got offered a job that I'm not going to do at Marvel, but doing it with Kevin would make me want to do it, but it's not exactly the tone that I think Marvel was asking for when they, when they offered it to us. So I'm going to offer us an annual of us doing our version of it to see if maybe we can scratch our itch anyhow. But I thought okay. we have a creator on thing where we're, we're slowly percolating. Okay. And, and on top of that, um, David and I are, are getting uh, David Mack and I, are just starting um, Punisher End of Days. Oh, that's uh, great. Finally. Uh, Very good. And the good news is, um, you know, a, a problem with the delayed sequel is that um, uh, who remembers the first one? But it's uh, it's its own thing. It just takes place in that universe. <laughs> so whether you read Daredevil End of Days or not, you'll be completely fine. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. No, I love so, that. I love So in two years when you read it, you'll, you'll remember it. All right. <laughs> That's good. No, but it'll be it'll be self-contained to itself. All right, but and, I, and I'm rewarding I'm, for people who read Daredevil in the days. Absolutely, very cool. And and while we're talking about uh, powers in uh, United States of Murder Incorporated yes. and and everything, and also uh, mentioning David Mack as well. Wow, the four of us actually did something together, kind of. What me, you, Oming, and it really revolves around Oming, and it's just been announced for Dark Horse, and it's... Oh, yes! The the, the, the Mike Oming art book, No Plan B. Indeed. The art of Michael Avon Oming. Yep. I am so happy about it. I have been pushing him to do this book for years, so I'm so happy 
that um, Dark Horse is uh, forced him to do this. Um, I wrote the introduction. It is a six-page mushy love letter to how much I love that man. Beautiful. And um, uh, uh, the art is gorgeous, and I can't wait for everyone to see it. I also contributed to the G.F. Darrow art book. I'm very, very happy to be part of that as well. I didn't draw anything. Jeff's but, awesome. He's a great guy. But I, I did. I, I, I do. I think, I think it's brilliant, and I'm so happy that I was asked to comment on that stuff too. So That's very cool. I didn't that, know, that, I, book, that Art of G.F. Darrow book is really unique. Uh, for those who love the unique art books, um, a very Dark Horse tried something very interesting with this. It's a lot of people commenting, a lot, a lot of like well-known people. Yes. Um, uh, and co-workers and stuff, and not all of it's um, like mama. Oh, good. Yeah, it's, it's it's critical. It's 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 yeah. It, it, I was very very charmed by what I I, so I would buy this in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to. I you know he lives in Chicago, and I see him occasionally. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I assume he'll be at C2E2. I'm gonna have to see if he'll be willing to come on and uh, talk about the book. You should. I, I mean, he's great. Oh no, he's uh, been on before. He's he's he has sat down with me before, and he's really okay. good. But he but he is in in the best way a maverick, to put it kindly. Yes. Where yeah. he, you know, he's his own guy, and he just, you know, there are things where he even had stuff to promote, and he's like, you know, John, I just don't feel like it, and I'm like, then don't do it. I'm like, it's yep. okay, Jeff. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm happy to talk to you on the record or off the record, and I'm glad you're always, you always make time for me when I see you. And you know, no, he he very early on gave me an incredible interview, and since then it's always been a little bit less. But you know, what he gives me is always great. So you know, hopefully, I, I don't know if you read the last Shaolin uh, Cowboy miniseries. I did, uh, uh, or I should say, looked at it, and uh, I have had more heated conversations about this miniseries than anything else in comics. Interesting. Uh, sure. With with all the creators, like other, this is a book a creator argue about all the time, because it's like like page after page after page of just hacking up zombies. Yes, with no narrative. Yes, and that you know uh, until there is a narrative, but it goes a hundred pages of hacking <laughs> zombies with no dialogue. I am just in love with this book. I would have never done it. I would have never asked for it. I never would have written it down as something I ever wanted. And I love it. And other people are driven crazy by it. So That's if you hilarious. want to get in on it, just take a look at it. It's really phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but again, yes, not for everyone, but I, I, but, but if you want to be friends with me, you better like it. <laughs> and back to the Oming book. Yeah. You know, it's, yes. uh, you know, yeah, you did the forward. I I do an interview with Oming. I, uh, I I we covered a lot, so I'll be interested to see what makes it in the book. And uh, and then David wrote, wrote I it think after. A lot of it's making the book. I don't. I don't. You know. Oh no, and I don't mean that in any yeah. like bad way or anything like yeah. that. I just you know I know that the art is what needs to be there, and you know we just we ended up talking about a lot of things that um, you know went beyond what was asked of me and him. So, but no, we had some really fun conversations. And when the book comes out, I will uh, release the audio of me and Mike talking about some of these projects and stuff because it was it was it was a good conversation. We had a great time. I miss Mike. I haven't I haven't had him on as regularly as as I've had you on, right. and or seen him at as many conventions as we see each other. So it's been it was really nice having some time really for the last four months to really talk to Mike and and get into this stuff. And you know, yeah, I've I've always been as much of a fan of Mike's because he, I like his point of view. And like you started to say with cave Carson, my God, what a great book. What a great book. And, Jesus. um, 
I, you know, as as we get older in this world, um, <laughs> you know, you you, t- you tend like you, 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 I, I talk about how what a wonderful person he is. He's a good person. Yeah, he just is. And we don't celebrate good people. We make fun of shitty people. That's what we do. Like, good people walk around all day, and no one stops and goes. That's a really good person who literally has never been in a, a controversy or a fight or, you know what I mean? Just, and you never hear anyone saying anything shitty about him. He's just a good dude, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I've now been uh, friends that turned into family. Like, we're family, I'm right? Him. Yeah. Um, like, we, li- we now live near each other so we can help each other, right? Yeah. And, you know, we'd we'd been through all the the the, the roller coaster powers, and then the uh, you know the then the show get gets canceled, and through all of it, he's just wonderful. I'm a mess. He's wonderful. <laughs> no, literally, I like 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 you know, I, I I was the one who had to call him and tell him our show was canceled for no reason, right? Right. And um, just because they don't want to do it, <laughs> so. Um, I had to call him and he go. he literally says, you know, he says to me, he goes, he goes, man, that was fun. Let's get back to work. Good. Yeah. That's, um, you know, pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just a good person. That's someone you want to work with. Totally. So, hey, by and, the way, go on. No, I was, I was just gonna say, I, I just, I love him. And, and it was just one of those things where, um, uh, we, you know, we were going double dates and we, we went on a double date and it was one of those times we just went out for pie and just laughed and laughed and laughed the whole time. And then an hour later, Scott emails me and goes, um, uh, will you write the introduction to Mike's book? And I'm like, yes, I will. I love him so much. That's cool. <laughs> typing with like tears in my eyes. I love him. Oh, anyway. No, I understand. And honestly, I was so flattered when I was offered the opportunity to do the interview for the book and everything. And I'm just like, Yeah. God, that's great. Thank you. I'm like, this is, this is fun. I'm like, it's, it's a great opportunity and it's one of my favorite people in comics. So of course. So yeah, it was really, it was, it was, and I, and uh, it was I, a good experience. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm excited about it is that ain't Mike deserves it, but also Mike's story is, um, in my opinion, um, <sighs> inspirational, you know, like if you're, if you're, if you're working a shit job, drawing yep. your comics, that's where power started. And that's what I wanted to write about. They're like he drew the first three issues of powers in a security booth in the middle of the night in New Jersey. Yep. Where he was working, guarding a parking lot. And I know that some people see, we had a TV show. They're like, Oh, look at those guys. I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. Rewind. We were right there. You know what I mean? Yes. The, the movie deal got him out of the parking garage. And um, and to talk about that, I think it's inspirational to those who are looking to get out of whatever their metaphorical parking garage is. I so. understand. Uh, no, that, or, or, or it's an actual parking garage. I don't know. It could it, be. <laughs> in some cases. I know. Some I, cases, El Guapo is actually El Guapo. <laughs> a scary Mexican person who's trying to kill us. In other ways, El Guapo is a symbol. <laughs> I forgot what the exact quote was. But Three minutes. I was really no. I just realized I was doing the three amigos speech about El Guapo. About <laughs> exactly. We almost face our own El Guapos in our life. Exactly. <laughs> we all face El Guapos, and for some people, El Guapo is actually El Guapo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that is a misunderstood movie because it really is great. 
<laughs> yeah, it seems that they had a lot of trouble behind the scenes. I, oh, I think yeah. there, like, with every John Landis movie, there was some much much funnier script that didn't get filmed or didn't get edited together. Yeah. I would always like to see. So I like the not. You know what that means? You know what that means, John? Yes. We're at three amigos. Time to hang up. I, I know. I was getting to that. I figured we were we were close to wrapping up. Is is there anything else uh, that uh, no? You know what? I, read? I, I that that I've, I've, I've actually read. I uh, Wild Storm, Wild Storm by Warren Ellis. I really really liked. Really, um, go on. Love. Um. Uh. Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, I liked uh, um, Greg's Old Guard, Greg Rucka's Old Guard. Just picked up the um, first issue, and I know the second is coming out this month, so I'm him and uh, Leandro Fernandez, right? Re- yeah, really, really liked it. And um, what else? There was a, the, oh, uh, Jason's Doctor Strange. This is one of those where I get like a little shitty. Like <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a kid, Jason's Doctor Strange would have fucking owned the business. It would have been all you heard about, like like that's Frank a good Miller's point, Daredevil, like Frank Miller's Daredevil. But yeah. there's so many good books and so many excellent creators that some people actually just just you. Of course, it's Jason. It should be awesome. But you no, know, it's it, it's really an achievement what he's doing. And I I, uh, I try to explain it to him at the Marvel retreat, but I I, I fear I sounded like an idiot yet again. <laughs> no, it's, it is it's 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 um. When you see, when you when you can see that this 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 is special, you know what I mean. Like sure. this is more than anyone's ever done with this character. That's um, a good point. I just want to point out and say, listen, dude, you're doing something really special. That's you a know? very good point. No, no, and it's been I haven't talked to Jason since the goddamned was first coming out. Mm-hmm. And God, I mean, you know, between I, you know, I'm, I'm happy as hell that you know Southern Bastards is going well. By the way, speaking of the other Jason Latour, so yeah. so happy that his writing. Is has been so well received, and Spider Gwen is kicking ass, and he got mm-hmm. back to loose uh, loose shoes, I think it's called, or loose ends, loose ends. Loose shoes is a bad eighties uh, movie, kind of like a Kentucky <laughs> Fried movie. Uh, well, well, Jason and I just worked together on the Spider Man Spider Gwen um, crossover. Outstanding. And I I must tell you, I don't know, I know Jason Aaron because we work together. We're work friends. I'm we're not friends. Sure. Yet. But um, Latour, I don't know Latour at all. I don't think I've ever met him. I don't think I've ever shook his He's hand. He's a great guy. Go on. Nick Lowe uh, said, "Hey, you know, it would be great. You guys should do like a Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen crossover." Totally. And I'm like, I, I would totally. That's a great idea. And then the, the literally the joke being, my girlfriend's out of town. You don't know her. Like you know, my girlfriend lives in Canada. You don't know right. her. <laughs> that was the joke that, that just started the conversation. Of course, we didn't go anywhere near that, but that was why we thought it was worth having this conversation and, and working with Jason was absolutely lovely and stress-free Terrific. Uh, on a level. Like I feel I want to buy him something. <laughs> uh, it, it just, you know, sometimes you can go into a project with all the best intentions. Just if things start, you know, yeah. no one's agreeing, you know what I mean? Sure, like sure. everyone's got a very strong idea and they're, they're in conflict where in this one, it was, um, uh, just a lot of fun. I, 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 uh, I, I just thought people would like to know that. <laughs> it was, no, I understand. He was just lovely. And, uh, uh, if I ever get to know him better, uh, I, I will tell him. He's a really good guy and he's, and he's yeah. had an interesting journey in comics and I'm really glad that, you know, everything has fallen into place because, you know, I got, I met him at the start of his career when I was starting the podcast and he was part of that, uh, group of Kansas City guys like B. Clay Moore and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, yep. and, and Andy Parks and uh, and Phil Hester in Iowa and everything and Jeremy Hahn. So yeah, it was it was fun getting to know Jason and watching watching him grow. And I'm really glad that you know he and Jason Aaron hooked up for Southern Bastards, and I think that opened doors for him. And I'm really you know he he came in and paid his dues at Marvel with some other books coming in at the end of uh, Winter Soldier and things like that. And you know I'm glad Spider Gwen has been a big hit, and also for Robbie as well, Robbie Rodriguez. Great. Yeah, who I think lives in Portland. I didn't know that until like yesterday. I have to go find him now. I'm oh, like, that's true. Yes, yeah, that's that's very true. I believe I, I embarrassed myself wholeheartedly. Um, that he he tweeted at me of something about Portland. I go, oh, do you live in Portland? And he was like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, have we met, <laughs> met like repeatedly? And I'm just, uh, I, yeah, good guy, good guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good. I, I and I, someone I would like to work with because that was oh, that'd be okay. cool. When you um get to the, get them wa- get to watch them make the sausage, um, like you get to read Jason's scripts and get to see Robbie's process, you you, you can get very uh, charmed by it. You know, cool. you can go. I would like, yeah, I would like to be part of this. So um, that was the feeling I, I came away with. It um. You know, again, there is, almost every story you hear about comics is someone's been slighted or someone's been fucked over or someone's said something incredibly stupid that you thought knew better, including myself. And uh, I just like to point out that there are some really, really amazing people making comics almost constantly, and uh, that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, like, I, I just like to shine a light on the good people. Cause, Absolutely, and I. And no, I'll, uh, we'll yeah, we mentioned that we mentioned Iron Fist earlier. Ed Brisson and, and Mike Perkins doing a great job. I, I think was... Ed Brisson is a, a very good writer, and I, I read um, his indie stuff too. I, I, yes. I'm, I'm really excited for um, what he has to offer. I, I not not to put this on him because, good lord, did I hate when people put it on me when I was coming up. But um, I, I, I think he I think he may have the goods. Oh no, I agree with you. I think his indie stuff. A lot of his crime comics are what first, obviously, I took notice of, and I'm like, oh, you know, anytime there's good crime comics, you've got my attention. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and also yeah. Mike, Mike's such a great artist and always has been. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, I, you know, much like he, mm-hmm. like I know there are certain characters that he's always wanted to do, and Deathlock was certainly one of them. And now mm-hmm. getting the chance to do uh, Iron Fist, I know, is a big, exciting thing for him. And he's again one of those first creators that I met, like one of the nicest guys in comics. And always has well, been. Well, and this and this brings me back to something I have to do. Like you just mentioned, um, um, him wanting to do Darkhawk. I, I, um, I mean, uh, I mean, Iron uh, Fist. Uh, uh, not Iron Fist, but was the other character? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was uh, Deathlock. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about Darkhawk? The only point of contention between myself and uh, the lovely David Marquez is that he wants to draw Darkhawk, and I will. I for I forbid it. <laughs> And, um, and now that we're on Defenders and literally Paladin shows up, he's like, really? That couldn't have been Darkhawk? No, I... Um, Hilarious. Darkhawk, Dark, as, as a favor to my darling David, I will, I will, Darkhawk will make an appearance in the first year of Defenders. Okay, that's cool. And I should mention... Only to be brutally murdered. I, we've always talked about uh, Paladin or Paladin, and I'm interested because I know you, you used to call him Paladin like Aladdin, which like, when you when you read it... I, I get that, but no. So now, uh, did someone correct you, or did you discover it yourself? Or I've evolved. I've evolved. <laughs> okay, I've, I've, that's I've, fine. You know, I'm a, I'm a work in progress, John. Well, no, but it's like every, dark, every it's like it's like better. yeah, but it's like dark side and dark seed, and it's like I kind of like the British. 
Well, yeah, Submariner, which it, that was my father's World War II interpretation. Absolutely, man. I love that. He was. I like yeah. Shazam. I like Submariner. Okay, Dad. <laughs> good, good for you. And he, he, he didn't say Shazam. He said Captain Marvel. So right. That shows my generation, of course. None of, none of that ever happened. Listen. So, Wrapping John, <laughs> we're, we're going to wrap. But here's why we're going to wrap up. We're going to do this again in a month. If you want to do this in a month, I am happy to do it. You're really throwing the gauntlet. All right. Throwing the gauntlet. We're going to, we got um, uh, Defenders and Free Comic Book Day. That and sounds great. Another big project that will be announced very soon. Okay. Uh, that um, I think some people see coming. And um, <laughs> yeah, things are all, you know, it, it's, it's one of those um, very intensive work. Um, seasons like I've gotten a lot of writing done, like actual Good. lot of papers laid to lay down. So yeah. that uh, so if I feel a little spry, it's because I'm uh I feel like oh I got all my shit done. <laughs> so awesome. it's a it's it's a it's a it's a good feeling, and uh, you know everyone's healthy, so that's all that matters. So Beautiful. there you go. All right, yeah. well, take care. Right, and don't we'll... stop on me because I want to I want to talk to you offline. It would be my pleasure. All right, man. Thank you. Man, there you go. Another Bendis tapes in the books. And uh, this was a fun one because of all the uh, heartache and ag- aggravation. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Dave Fowley and um, the Chicago Critics Film Festival that's happening this weekend. And thanks, really. And uh, again, uh, this is my anniversary week. So truly, thanks for supporting Word Balloon. Uh, thank you very much for being on the journey with me, however long, whenever you uh, join me as a fellow traveler, as Frank Santo Padre. Uh, calls us, uh, uh, the people like us uh, that enjoy the crazy pop culture stuff that we do from the old movies and magazines to comic books and uh, current films and beyond. Uh, it's it's really a pleasure to do this each week for you. Uh, I, you know I get a big kick out of it, and uh, it means a lot that you think enough to listen and support the show. And as I always say, the best way to support Word Balloon 2 is to let your friends know that you think this is a fun show and they might think it's a fun show too. Word Balloon Today was brought to you by The Comics Canon. The Comics Canon is the podcast that reads, reviews, and renders judgment on the greatest comic book stories of yesterday and today. Every two weeks, experienced journalists and critics Kevin Moreau and Kurt Holman hold in-depth yet accessible discussions on such well-known comics as The Dark Knight Returns, The Original Civil War, Preacher, The Walking Dead, Fun Home, and more works that have become mass media icons. They also discuss popular comics like Saga and landmark events like X-Men, The Dark Phoenix Saga, and The Death of Gwen Stacy. Each episode answers the questions, how do these stories hold up, what's their larger impact on comics or pop culture, and do they belong in that Hall of Fame of comic book stories known as the Comics Canon? Their most recent episode examines uh, the first arc of the uh, Thor book featuring Jane Foster as Thor, and uh, don't forget, in just a couple weeks, uh, on March, or pardon me, on May 24th, just in time for the June release of the new Wonder Woman film, they're going to look at the comic book origins of everyone's favorite, favorite Amazon. The Comics Canon is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and their website, comicscanon.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Again, if you uh, would like to subscribe to Word Balloon, uh, please go to wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad or go directly to my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash wordballoon. Thanks again for listening. More great stuff still to come in May. We're not even halfway done with May, and uh, lots of really interesting uh, conversations are uh, penciled in. And, uh, man, I know it's been forever since I've had a DC conversation. Tom King is waiting in the bushes. I kind of want the uh, button 
the uh, Batman Flash crossover to finish before I talk. Uh, we have a new conversation with Tom just in time too for him to tease uh, the War of Riddles. Uh, and I think it's called the War, the War of Jokes and Riddles. It's uh, Riddler and Joker uh, at war and Batman in the middle. Uh, but a few other uh, DC creators are in the wings as well. And I've had uh, email conversations with them. So if we've been a little Marvel heavy, you'll excuse me. But uh, And also uh, the indie books as well. Frank Barberi coming back uh, to Word Balloon to talk about Violent Love. Man, I really love that book. I thought that was a really, really cool book. And uh, so happy for Frank. Really talented writer. So it's going to be a pleasure having a new conversation with him. And uh, lots more to come in May and June and uh, beyond. So uh, keep it right here on WordBalloon.com. Until next time. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.